You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. That's right. It is time for A's Cast Live. And Commander Cody, did you put this out on Twitter that we're on? Uh, I haven't yet, no. Because I was trying to retweet. We got a great show today. You might have to. You might have to take it and put it on your on your own Twitter today. You got more followers than we do. All right. Do I need to do it live as we're going on right now? Oh no, you to can tell everybody what we're doing today. As we have Ken Korak on today, the voice of summer. We'll talk to our old buddy Jeff Blum from the Houston Astros, former Cal Bear. You're going to love this. Nick Swisher. If there was ever a time that we needed some positivity and we needed a guy to come on and lighten up the room, it's Nick Swisher. Literally, we just got off the air taping him, and I I think you're really going to enjoy this at 3 o'clock. And then Bip Roberts, the former All-Star, Oakland's own, will be here at 3.30 as it's great to hear Bip's voice. So Korak at 1.30, Jeff Blum at 2.30, Nick Swisher at 3, Bip Roberts at 3.30. You know, it's been an unfortunate week here for the A's family as we've lost two men that um, definitely a part of the fabric that is the Oakland Athletics. Chester Farrow is 77 years old. We lost him. As he worked, you know, maybe, you know, what we should do too today, Cody. And I, and, and I talked to him yesterday. We should probably have Dick Callahan on today too, because he worked side by side with Chester, who we lost at the age of 77. He was, uh, you know, a scoreboard operator. He was in diamond vision and he will be missed. And he was just a man. I'll never forget when I had to fill in for Dick Callahan. I, I had no idea how hard it was to do PA. You know, I just thought you get up there and now batting, number whatever, third baseman, blah, blah, blah. Right? I thought, and I didn't realize, man, you can't go to the bathroom. You can't leave the room. And... Baseball moves like what they say. Well, baseball is a slow. No, as a PA guy, you're constantly talking. There's constantly a new batter, new batter, new batter, new batter. And you have to like pay attention, like pitchers coming in, who's warming up. And then in between innings, you, you got to do these reads. 
And I'll never forget Chester coming over to me because Dick Callahan, he lost his voice. And there was panic. Where's Townsend? All right, I'll do it. By the way, do you know what my record is as a PA announcer, Cody? I'm going to quote the great LeVar Ball here. Um, facetious, it's not really great. Uh, but say you never lost. I'm 2-0. and You have, an, you have an immacu- almost an immaculate broadcasting record, too, Pat, last season. Hey. You put me on the mic, the ball club wins. It's the bottom line. Uh, and one, the first game I did against, it was Tampa, it went extra innings. Now, remember, I did the pregame. I had a show, then a pregame show. Then I had to do the, the, the PA, and then I had to do a postgame show. So it's like talking for Jesus, like eight, eight straight hours. Uh, Chester came over to me. And put his arm on my shoulder. Because I don't know, am I doing a good job? I, I have no idea. I'm just trying to get through it. And, and he just goes, Townie, you're doing a great job. And I that always was like, man, I appreciate that. Chester was a guy that showed up every day to the broadcast booth to say hello. And we'll talk to Ken Korak about that. And then, of course, yesterday we lost a man that, you know, for so many of you growing up, going to A's games, Roy Steele's voice, you know, they called him the voice of God. And not every PA guy stands out. But he did. And even though you may not know him, you think you know him. And he passed away yesterday, and it's just, it's been a sad week. And you just think about how he would introduce. I always loved John. No, that ain't John Jaha. I mean, it was just this voice that just echoed around the stadium. And these two men were great men. And, you know, you think of Roy Steele, been with the team since 1968. PA guy for over 3,000 A's games. Six World Series. One All-Star game. Over 38 years, he only missed five days. 38 years. You talk about a workhorse. And and our own great Dick Callahan, who now does the job, he's the same way. These guys take such pride in their job. And, you, I mean, you just don't. You know, you think about the players, right? And you think about the manager and the coaches and everything. But the PA guy, it, you know, he's constantly talking and you hear it throughout the stadium. And you get so used to that voice that the minute that voice is not there, you're like, what? And I've experienced that because when I had to step in for Dick. Like people start texting me going, why are you doing this? You know, my friends that are A's fans that were out there uh, for those games, the minute I started talking, they're like, why is Townsend doing this? That's how these guys' voices are so ingrained in you. That the minute they're not there, it's like the world changed. Like, what? What's going on? So two great A's, Chester and Roy, no longer with us, and our hearts and prayers go out to their families. Two great men that they will be missed. And boy, have we said that too much recently. As I said the other day, there's just a lot of, a lot of tragic things going on. 
And I know that there are certain people in our fan base that want negativity. And that's why I started the last show as, you know what, there's bad things that have gone, gone on all around us. But this show is not meant to cover that. You may want that, but that's not what we're meant to do. We're here to heal. We're here to try and make it better. We're trying to entertain people. A's fans, baseball fans. That's what we're here to do. And that's why we bring on, I think without question, the best guest list. And really, you name it. No one in TV has this. I've been looking at sports radio guest lists. They don't have this. Our guest list is second to none. And that's why we want you to tune in here to A's cast. By the way, Commander, yesterday, i just thankful I can get out and hit golf balls. I loaded A's cast on four different phones at the range yesterday. Four different phones. Like you always say, you're always working. If it's not me making you work, you're working on your own. And that's good. The people, they want to listen. We have a lot of good content out there. I mean, I put up the best of the year show yesterday. There, if, if you're an A's fan or a baseball fan and you wanted to hear from Mark McGuire or Jose Canseco, Ricky Henderson, people who you don't hear do a lot of interviews right now or, or even in the past, like Ricky's in, incredibly hard to track down. Uh, trust me, that's the only time I've ever gotten Ricky in my five-plus years of broad, and being in broadcasting. That was the only time I ever got Mark McGuire. That's the only time I ever heard Mark McGuire speak before pretty much is when we had him on last year. So we put up the content for the fans because we know they need it, especially during a time like this. And um, I'm glad that people are still wanting to, you to download it on their phone. It's much easier now to explain it to people, so that's good. And I wanted to touch on something. You mentioned how Chester came up to you and touched you after the – when you were doing the PA. I, I was like, is this going to be like a Monty Moore story? He goes, don't worry, Chris. There's only 40,000 people in the stands waiting to hear your voice. Well – uh, A's Rays, I can guarantee you there wasn't 40,000 people on the ballpark. <laughs> no offense. And I, and also, tell tell people they only need to go to athletics.com slash podcast. Yeah, it's, now, really, it's really easy to do. Now, for some of you who don't get it and listen, so the segment that we put up was to honor our one-year anniversary which was yesterday? Correct. correct. A year ago yesterday, May 28th, 2019, was our first show on AceCast Live. The way I started that show was with our first interview, which was with Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. So that's how the best of the year starts is with those two guys, and it ends with, Rick, uh, ends with Reggie because Reggie, also an incredibly challenging guy to get a hold of, and we got him on to talk about the 72 through 74 World Series. So there's a lot of good stuff in there, but yes – a year ago yesterday, if you can believe that already, we started Ace Cast Live. God, isn't that crazy? It doesn't it, – It's the time has gone by so fast. We've done some – I went back. I remember at one point the professor, Matt Pearl, asked me how many guests we've had on the show. And this is a couple months ago. And it was like well over 550 guests or something. And I'm like, looking back since then, it's probably closer to probably, I don't know, 700 now. That's in a year. We're a three-hour show. And I, I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about that. Like, I don't think I booked that many guests in the, the years I worked in sports talk radio. We did it every day. I mean, I did, but some of the guys weren't on the caliber we've had on here because, well, 
uh, disclaimer, you know how to you know how to talk about baseball, where some of the other people I worked with didn't know how to talk about baseball, so it's much easier to explain shots the game fired. to people. Yeah, well, they already know, so it's not really shots fired. It's just more common knowledge. <laughs> it's more public knowledge for everyone else because I, you know, besides myself, because I know, I mean, I'm a, a huge fan of the game. It was it was always challenging, but uh, it's crazy to think a, a year ago uh, that we launched this show, and I've been with the A's now for over a year, and. It's the time's gone by so fast, and I, I couldn't be more thankful for what we started with Ace Cast and, and how it's continuing to go and grow. I remember meeting you. I never remember what's the what's the brewery called. It's called Fieldworks. Uh, no, I, I always mess up the name, and I go there all the time. Um, but it's it's above the Whole Foods, right right by my house, my apartment um, on the Alameda here in San Jose, right behind the Shark Tank. I remember we met there at like a five or six o'clock in, at night on a Sunday when I was still doing morning sports talk radio, and so I had to go to bed by I don't know nine or ten. I think we were out till what like nine, drinking IPAs. It was a uh, it was a really long night for your boy. <laughs> so I, I I had to lube up uh, the commander to uh, convince him to come over because let's face it he was he was successful. Um, by the way, I, I'm doing your tweet as we speak. Floodcraft Brewing, by the way, is the name of the, the brewery above the Whole Foods on the Alameda here in San Jose. Floodcraft Brewing. Great spot if you're ever here if you want to hang out before a Sharks game or just hang out in San Jose. It's a great spot once bars reopen here in the in the South Bay. What's Pip Roberts' Twitter handle? I don't think he has one. Okay, that's why yeah. I, I'm like. He doesn't have yeah. one, and, then, and uh, Swisher's is his at Nick Swisher. Yeah, I got that. So I'm live tweeting as we speak, folks, trying to inform everybody uh, what we're doing. A's cast live on now. And I got King Korak at 1.30, Pip Roberts, uh, Jeff Blum at 2.30, Nick Swisher at 3, and Pip Roberts at 3 p.m. Hit tweet. There we go. Um, Might have to add Dick Callahan to that if you want to book him. That's Dick's your guy. That's my guy, Dick Callahan. And he got a lot of uh, – oh, so get back real quick. Like, if you don't understand that we're doing a best of yearly thing and you're like, why are you airing old interviews? Because you may, like, get onto the stream mid-show. Kind of think it through before you reply to me. And I love that everybody that is negative on Twitter is always people that are faceless. They don't have a picture of themselves. They don't tell you who they are. They don't say where they work, where they live. You know, it's always that guy or gal, whoever you are. We don't know because you don't say who you really are. You pop off and you talk a big game. You don't tell people who you are. See, I'm a man that's out in front of everybody. I don't sit in the press box. I'm I'm, I'm out in the treehouse before every game. You can come find me. During baseball season, I'm not hard to find. You walk into the treehouse as you're coming down the left, coming down the, if you're coming down through left field and you enter the treehouse, I'm right to your right. And I'm there for every game. You can find me. I'm not faceless. I don't hide. So for those who do, I'm not political, but all the stuff that has been just thrown my way on Twitter, oh, you want to start fact-checking Twitter? Yeah. Come to ever, come to all of us that are in talk radio 
and go through our Twitter accounts and look at all the stuff people say to us. I'd love that. You want to you, you look at facts and negativity? Come to Sports Talk Radio. Come to our fans and tell me how they react on Twitter. I would love to see that. I would love that. My favorite said, I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten hate on Twitter, and I'm like, I've made it finally. People don't like me. I finally have made it on, on social media. Oh, my God. The keyboard tough guys that we like to call it. I mean, people don't even realize the negativity on, you know, when I first got into the business, we had the facts line, right? Facts of the day. And then it, we, we, we became more interactive. Then we got to this text line. I've had people threaten my life on the text line. I mean, I've had the stuff that's been said to me on Twitter. You you want to start fact-checking? Come to my account, please. Help me out. Unbelievable. Yo, you're just a platform. On this day in baseball history, I'll never forget it. I was in high school, and this happened actually in San Diego. And you talk about a man that had such great pride. And he's truly one of the great players of all time. He played his entire career in Philadelphia. Mike Schmidt is in San Diego taking on the Padres. He's leading the National League third baseman and all-star votes. So through 42 games... He's hitting 203, six home runs, 28 RBIs. He's embarrassed. And Mike Schmidt, out of nowhere, at Jack Murphy Stadium says, I'm done. I'm retiring. Where was the All-Star game, Cody, in 1989? That will be down in uh, Anaheim, Disneyland. Mike Schmidt was, I mean, what do you do? I mean, your numbers are, these are not who you are. There's no way you're going to go to the, you, you want to go to the All-Star game hitting 203? So Mike Schmidt packed it up and retired. No major ceremony, no, just, I'm retired and left. See you later, left the ballpark. A three-time MVP. Led the National League in home runs. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight times he led baseball in home runs. I didn't realize it was eight times. Or eight times he led the National League. I mean, he's a monster. 548 home runs. 1,595 RBIs. A career OPS of 908. A career OPS plus of 147. A World Series champion, three-time MVP, 12-time All-Star. But this is the thing about Mike Schmidt. A 10-time Gold Glove Award winner. World Series MVP, six-time Silver Slugger. Now, it's very rare that you see a man with this kind of power and playing a pre, not a premium defensive position, but play third base, I mean, as good as anybody. You know, like Brooks Robinson, who has all the gold glove, he didn't have the power or the firepower that Mike Schmidt had. 
Cody, Mike Schmidt's war is 106.9. What does that tell you? Uh, well, we talk about 60 being the threshold for Hall of Famers, and he's about 45 points. Oh, what was it again? 10. 106.9. Yeah, he's he's 46.9 uh, war over what the average for the what we calculate for uh, the Hall of Famers is 60. That's pretty good. That's a that's a nice little career that uh, Michael Jack Schmidt had there for the team that I grew up hating, the Phillies. But he was a great player. And when I saw that he retired on midway through the season in 1989 in San Diego, I was like, all right, well, one, I know how much of a Padre fan you were as a kid and how much you like Mike Schmidt. Arguably, to you, the second best third baseman behind the great George Brett, I'm assuming? No, Mike Schmidt's the best. I mean, there's no – as much as I grew up loving George Brett. Can someone, I mean, look at Brooks Robinson. Brooks Robinson's war – and Brooks is a great player. Come on. He's a 16-time gold glover. His war was 78.4 versus Michael Jack Schmidt, 106.9. And one of the reasons why Brooks' war is so high is he played for like 24, 23 years. But I think there's, uh, to me, not that I, you know, I didn't get to see Eddie Matthews play. You know, there's some great third basemen I didn't get to see play. And as much as, you know, I mean, look at the guy we got now. Matt Chapman is as good as anybody I've ever seen defensively. I mean, Matt Chapman is, I mean, you think, and Arenado, too. I mean, both of them are so blessed with such great skill. But can't but I can't compare Matt Chapman to a Mike Schmidt until he starts winning MVPs. And still until he starts leading the league in dingers and RBIs. Can can Matt Chapman be that guy? I think so. You know, when we were down at spring training, and I got a chance to to talk with Matt. He's made a little change to his swing. Matt Chapman has the the ability to be a great player. Matt Chapman has the drive and the confidence to be a guy that if he stays healthy could could get into an argument for the Baseball Hall of Fame. But the difference is Mike Schmidt was in the big leagues at 22 years old. I think that's something that you 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 you, you know, I Cody, I don't think we talk enough about is the guys that get into the Hall of Fame for the most part they didn't go to college. You know, as we mentioned, you know, recently another great that passed away in, in Al Kaline. These guys that go to the Hall of Fame, they normally get to the big leagues at a young age, and that's how you get to X amount of home runs, X amount of RBI. Matt Chapman went to college. So while Matt Chapman was at Fullerton, you know, Mike Schmidt's career, he's already in the big leagues. And, I mean, just looking at his numbers, I mean, at the age of 23, he had 18 home runs. At the age of 24, he had 36. At the age of 25, 38. At the age of 26, 
38. I mean, he's putting these numbers up in an early part of his career. Can Matt Chapman do this now as he's entering his prime? I think no doubt. I mean, if Matt Chapman can get to a point where he's hitting over 30 home runs a year, driving over 100, and winning gold glove after gold glove, he's going to – He's he, and once again, he's a war guy. Matt Chapman is soaring in war, and that's a big part of the Hall of Fame now is voters are now looking at analytics. So if Matt Chapman stays healthy, starts continues to hit home runs, drive in runs, and win goals gloves – I don't know. He he could be on at least the the Hall of Fame doorstep. I agree. Speaking of, I was I agree because the guy I was looking up real, real quick was Adrian Beltre. Beltre's never won an MVP or anything like that, but he was a great defensive player. He made a bunch of All Star games. He hit forty eight home runs at the age of twenty five, which is incredible. That was his free agent walk year. But he's a guy I look to as you know the, probably the best third third baseman of the last uh, twenty plus years. And that's a guy that Chapman and Arnado can look up to and be like, okay, if we're good, as good as him defensively and can hit like him, uh, they're on a good track for the Hall of Fame. I agree. Speaking of the Hall Hall of Fame, how about a Bay Area Radio Hall of Famer is joining us with his green Titleist hat, the great Ken Korak, the voice of summer, the voice of your Oakland Athletics, joins us here on A's Cast Live from a, uh, I'm assuming a very hot, Las Vegas, Nevada. 108 today out here, Chris, but it's great to be with you guys. That's it? It's only 108? Yeah, it's going to get to 108 today, like 107 yesterday, I think. <laughs> Just a little heat wave. See, this has got to be weird for you because, you know, living in, in Vegas, normally when you're in Vegas, the weather is wonderful and you're out playing golf. Uh, normally, you'd be either in Pleasanton or traveling somewhere around the country. Ken Korak really isn't a summer Vegas guy. Haven't been here in the summertime since 1995, Chris. So we miss the Bay Area. There's no doubt about that. There's stuff that's happening that I don't even realize. Like I asked my wife about this plant that's outside the the um, window here from where we're speaking, and it like it flowers in the spring. And I I asked her about that. She said, "Well, you've never been here before to notice it." You're learning new things about your own home. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's been a tough week, Ken, as, as losing Roy and Chester. Uh, everybody knew Roy. Not everybody knew Chester because obviously this was a press box thing. Uh, but losing two guys, there were two, two great men who were definitely a part of our A's family. Yeah, they didn't know Chester Chris, but they watched his work every time they came to the ballpark because he was running the scoreboard, which he did since, I think, 1969. Uh, Roy was there since the inception in 68. They were great friends, too, and that's one of the interesting and kind of somber things. It's been a somber week on in, in many ways, Chris, as you know, on many fronts. But uh, to have these guys who were so close and they passed away within just days of each other, so they really will be missed and and. You know, Chris, obviously Roy's voice was synonymous with the Coliseum, and I've had a fascination with public address announcers since I was a kid. But one of the great things, and you experienced this too, was the stories that are told in the press room before the game. And that's one of the the most enjoyable aspects of our job. And you would always see Roy and Chester having dinner before a game and just to um, eavesdrop on uh, some of those uh, conversations, Chris, was uh, one of the joys of being part of the A's family. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 I got my first taste and it was, it wasn't one of those things where I had time to really prepare, you know, all of a sudden Dick Callahan and we're trying to effort Dick, hopefully we'll have him at uh, 2 PM. You know, all of a sudden it was like Townsend go down there and do it. And it's like, uh, I've never done this before. (laughs) I had no idea what I was getting into. I mean, and and it's weird. It's like, people don't understand. Like when you speak, and you say now batting, well, it, the reverb, it comes right back at you. So you got to like, there's an art to doing this because as you're talking, it's coming back to you and it's it, it's so hard to do. And it's so lo- the Coliseum speakers are so loud that you you, you got to say something, pause, let it come back to you. Then and it was like, what am I doing? And Chester was so great. I told the story how he came over, Townie, you're doing a great job. Because I had, Ken, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Well, but you know baseball, and you've listened to PA announcers uh, from the time you were a kid. Uh, like John DeMott was the voice of San Diego Stadium for all those years. Remember, number 11, Enzo. Well, that's before your time, Enzo Hernandez. <laughs> but uh, and I'm glad you mentioned Dick Callahan because uh, those are tough shoes to fill when you replace a Legendary figure like that, and Dick's done a great job. And Rennell over uh, with the Giants. Uh, when I was a kid, the Giants PA announcer was a guy named Jeff Carter. But what you're talking about and the delay, uh, we've all dealt with that. I've done several of the pregame ceremonies from down on the field. And it is, it's kind of a freaky thing. You just have to focus on what you're saying and not get caught up on what's being returned to you because that's coming back, like uh, you said, through the speakers about three seconds later. Yeah, that, that's why I respect all these people who do the national anthem. Like, I can't imagine, like, you're down there singing and it's uh, it messes with you, and that's how people screw up all the time. Um, you know, and, and, and the PA guy, as I learned, the minute there's a different voice, everybody in the stadium noticed. So when, as soon as I started talking, I mean, people know my voice, and all of a sudden it was, I started getting texts like, why are you doing this? Yeah. So I, yeah, so I, I think about, all these people who grew up with Roy, like so comfortable with his voice and his style. And it was a beautiful voice. I always love John Jaha. I mean, it was just, yeah. it, 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 it's special. You, it's like, it's a, you may not know the man, but you feel like, you know, the man. Well, and there are voices like that who have been linked to the ballparks and have been synonymous with the, like Bob Shepard, of course, in New York. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, John Ramsey, you had this very deep, like a foghorn, voice at uh, Dodger Stadium did a lot of the stuff down there and one of the great things about Roy was it had this kind of mellow sound that was soothing he just sounded like baseball to me and he set this tone when you came to the Coliseum it was very distinctive he had a wonderful voice and the one thing about PA announcers I hate it when they scream at me there's no reason for that and Roy never did that now he could punch it up and he had some fun with the introductions. I think, I think most people, uh, Chris, you mentioned Jaha, would think first about someone like Geronimo Baroa, uh, which was a great Roy Steele uh, name to call. And then the Daves, you know, he really stretched out, Dave Henderson, center field. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I just, I love PA in general. I've always had this fascination with public address and like, this is how crazy I am. I'll see I'll see a couple names on a billboard, and I'll think to myself, "How would Roy Steele announce those names, or the, even those words, or or like Bob Shepard as well?" So 
Um, and I asked him one time, Chris, because we're always interested in techniques that people use who are in our business. And the thing that he said was that he talked very softly. He never yelled. He talked very softly, but his voice carried so well. It had that timbre to it. But he got very close to the microphone, and then he let the sound people punch it up because you have to turn it up, you know, inside the ballpark to, uh, to have, it, have the voice project. But he talked softly. And that was one of the keys, I think, to have to uh, the fact that Roy had that wonderfully rich, mellow sound. I don't know if this is true, but I have been told that in John Gruden's first go around with the Raiders, that they changed the speakers, the way they angled them towards the field because they wanted to make it louder. And I think that's the issue where Diamond Vision is. It, so Diamond Vision, where everything, where every, everything's coming from, scoreboards, everything, it's down the left field line. But that speaker that's in right field points right at Diamond Vision. And that's where when you start talking and it comes right back at you. Right. It is so loud. Like you go around all the stadiums, there's no, there's, you know, there's no music. There, the, the Coliseum truly has the loudest speakers in the league. It is. So you're saying your your stint doing PA was like a one and done, Chris? Uh, uh, you're not going to go back there. But it is. No, it's not. Plus, we're up high and we're closer to the level the speakers are on. So people have always told me that it's not nearly as loud as the way we hear it uh, for the folks down in the stands. Well, just, maybe it is. I don't know. We're never down there during a game. Just you you think about when you're doing your pregame and you're getting ready and the music and here and Dick Callahan, here's your aid. I mean, it's so loud in our press in, in the Bill King booth. I mean, you I mean, I I guess you're just used to it now. Well, no. but it, well Bill King used to record his open because of that, because it would drive him nuts. It was it would really distract <laughs> him. And so it'd be about maybe 10 minutes before seven. And he'd get in there and he'd record his open. Yeah, we just have to honor him. Speaking of Bill King, another A's legend, we just need to remember these great people and honor these great people. And yeah, yeah, it's so tough during these times because there's just so much negativity. And then when you lose people like this who are, are so familiar to whether we're just talking about a buddy from the press box or we're talking about uh, like somebody. Harold, right? Like we lost Harold this year, too. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean, how many times do we see him down in the meal room? Right. So these are these are folks that provide the history of context, really, that go back to the beginning of the franchise, at least in Oakland. So it's, it's sad to see that that part of the A's history go. Yeah. So for fans, for you to understand, like, you know, we have like our, our right field group, our left field group, and they come they become like a family. It's kind of the same thing with us as we work around all of these people and we see each other every single, you know, every single game. And we, we have our own like little press family, you know, the players have that, you know, so that's one of the great things about baseball is, is it brings so many people together. That's right. And I think that you're like me. And I mentioned the times we've spent in the press room with guys like Roy and Chester and Gary Hughes called me the other day and he would be part of that group that would have uh, dinner before the games with those guys. That's when I'm going to miss the most, I think, when I retire or whatever, you know, eventually happens because the associations are the things that I look so forward to going to the ballpark and seeing everybody every day, to seeing you when you come in and, and Commander and all the people we work with. And let's face it, 
we're doing this in a normal year, 162 times home and away and, and spending more time with uh, the folks we work with and our families really during the season. I mean, 81 games, it's a six month thing, obviously. And, you know, it, be, it would be so hard to do your job, Chris, I'm sure you agree. If you didn't have that kind of relationship, if, if it wasn't a, a conducive and positive relationship with the people you're around all the time. You're not retiring. Well, I I would hope not. <laughs> You're not retiring anytime soon. You, there you, will you, be a day, my friend. You're not. It's. Yeah. I, I don't even see that on the calendar. That's many, many, many years away before we're not hearing you on A's radio. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I have no plans to walk away. Let's put it that way. And I think, Ken, once we get this thing going, because... Uh, you're going to hear later on Nick Swisher, and Nick Swisher made a great point. If you got the NBA playing, you got the NHL playing, you got NASCAR, you got the PGA Tour, and baseball's not playing because of money, that's going to be one of the worst looks in the history of baseball. Yeah, and, and baseball, I think it, it's it serves – we've talked – on this show a lot about the role that baseball can play in the healing. And as we said, this has really been a tough week in many ways, very somber uh, with the death count over a hundred thousand, the events in Minneapolis and people losing their jobs, layoffs and furloughs and all that. But, you know, to me, Chris, it's kind of a binary track. And for people, for, for our collective mental health, we need something to look forward to. We need to have something, that, that gives us um, a reason to get up in the morning. And I think hope is so important for mental health, for anybody, for you, me, for uh, Commander, all of us. And so the thought that I still think there's a pretty good chance we're going to play baseball and to have that hope and have something to look forward to every day, um, I think can be a really positive thing psychologically. So one of my very good friends is from Carson City, Nevada, your capital there in the Silver State. And he had to go to an event. Uh, he had to go back home and gave me a call and said, you wouldn't believe it, but everything's open. Like you said, we actually, you know, Charlie Kerfeld, the old uh, Astros pitcher, uh, he said they all were at a bar. And like Nevada's opening up. W what is it like in Las Vegas? Well, we haven't ventured out a whole lot. The day they're looking at would be sometime next week around the 4th of June for casinos to many of the casinos to open up, Chris, uh, restaurants as well. And I think even the health clubs now all done within uh, the guidelines, of course, and social distancing and uh, hopefully people wearing a mask and things like that. So it happens in stages. It's not like they're going to let people just flock into the casinos or the restaurants. So. Um, following the procedures and protocols, um, I do think there's a pretty good chance a lot of the things uh, will be opening up next week at some point. I want you to know this. I have found my golf game. Really? It's been years. It's been years. And one of the reasons why I haven't been able to play is I just, you know, at one point I was covering the A's, the Raiders, and the Warriors. I just never had time off. I mean, the only time off I had, I, I would spend with my children and then now with everything that's gone on, we've been in spring training mode. And once they opened up, I have found my golf game. And right now I am striping it. I was at the range yesterday drinking margaritas and hitting balls. Ken, 
I can't wait for us to get out and play. How many shots are you going to give me? You are such a sandbagger. You might be one of the worst sandbaggers in the history of golf. I learned from Kurt Young. I learned from the greatest of all time. You know, <laughs> Kurt Young never lost a bet on the first tee, the, the great longtime ace pitcher and pitching coach. So which range did you go to down there? Uh, where, where were you? So I, I play, well, I, I've been out at Cinnabar Hills. Okay, yeah, my that's buddy, good track. My, my buddy, my, my, my buddy's the GM there, so I've been able to get out there and hit. And then I played court of all. Well, you played court of all. Yeah, wow, my that's buddy, a big league buddy, track right there, man. They had the U.S. senior women or the the U.S. women's, not the senior, the the women's open there a few years back. So I played court of all last week, and then I went down. So my 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 buddy's a member there. Uh, my also my financial guy. If you need a great financial guy, look up Brad Ledwith in Morgan Hill. Is he uh, paying for this sponsorship? <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, and then I went down there with him yesterday, and we just went out there and hit balls, had some margaritas, and I'm telling Where was you. That? I had court of all, so I was. Well, back you went down to court of all and hit balls. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, uh, Dan Martin, I think technically, right? That is correct. I actually yeah. talk about too much information. The PXG guy was out there uh, trying to trying to sell me on on some. Uh, you can't afford a set of PXG irons, pal. Only twenty three hundred. Only twenty three hundred bucks. That's oh, it. I man. know. Well, you know, we used to live in Morgan Hill, so we weren't too far from court of all. So. I don't even know if they had built Cordoval when we were living down there, though. No. Uh, yeah, it's fairly new, I guess. But uh, I'm glad to hear you're getting out. Yeah, so I'm going to be ready for you once we can uh, get you back up here and we can start playing some golf. I would love that, man. I'd love nothing more. We we really miss being up there, that's for sure. And so hopefully we can, you know, and we were just talking about hope, I think, for anybody and whatever they look forward to, I think. It's important to keep that alive right now. You are the best. You are the voice of this great franchise. We always appreciate it. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be with you guys. Thanks. The great Ken Korak here on A's Cast Live. Coming up next, the voice of the stadium, our PA announcer, Dick Callahan, is going to join us as we'll remember the great Roy Steele right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Shamanaya. Shamanaya has no hit the Red Sox. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. We're going to get you updated on the simulated season by the Oakland Athletics. Where are they right now? How are they doing? And how the heck are the Seattle Mariners still doing well? But Dick Callahan is going to join us coming up here in moments as Dick has had such a distinguished career. You think of with the A's, the Warriors, Cal, St. Mary's, Sharks. I think he's done every, almost every team. I don't know if he's done Niners or Raiders, but. Don't forget Safeway. The great Dick Callahan. Hey, Chris, how are you? You know, I was just talking about your bio, whether it's A's, Warriors, St. Mary's, Cal, Sharks. Have you ever done Niners or Raiders? One Raider game. No Niners. One Raider game. I, I, I think I neglected to mention the, the symphony of the Little Sisters of the Poor, too. I did their games. Well, and, and I'll never forget <laughs> your great work with Safeway being the voice of Safeway. <laughs> that is something that I, can, I can't live down. I, that was amazing when that happened. It was just 
it was quite an experience. I just in the store, and the guy walked up to me and he said, "Would you do this for us?" I said, sure. But anyway, now, now, now you know when you get into the grocery business, now you know you've made it. <laughs> well, once I can do a commercial for chicken pie in Walnut Creek, I'll know I really arrived. That's when I've got it. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know what what a great voice Roy Steele was. Right. Uh, very tough to lose him. I know you guys knew each other well. Um, yes. just, just a tough, tough couple days in the A's world. Well, you know, there's, there's some great things about Roy w- with me. And these are stories that nobody else would probably have ever picked up on. But when I first filled in for him, when he was out sick, uh, they, they called me and, and said that they, they needed me for a weekend series. And that was, you know, ages, seems like it was ages ago, but it wasn't really that long ago, but but nonetheless, he was so gracious to me when he came back and I was there and we had a chance to meet. And he never, ever either criticized my work or suggested that I try something differently or that I should do it the way he does, does this or does that. His theory to me was, you've been a professional for a long time, which I had. I, you know, I'd done 18 years, 19 years, whatever it was with the Warriors. I'd done Cal football, St. Mary's basketball, St. Mary's football. But he was respectful, and that's the point that I never, I never forgot. There's an interesting story, Tony, about this too. Is when I was back in the late '70s, I was a television announcer on a cable station for Stanford basketball. And when, when, when uh, uh, Johnny Wooden retired from UCLA, Gene Bartow stepped in as the head coach, and I was doing the game down at Maples Pavilion with with uh, UCLA and Stanford. And I asked Bartow if we could do an interview, and he said yes. So we did the interview at courtside, and I said to him when it was over, okay, now everything is shut down. We struck everything. What's it like following a legend? And he said, you never want to be the guy who follows the guy. You want to be the guy who follows the guy who follows the guy. And I kept that in mind when I was going to replace Roy, or not really just sitting here. I I call it warming his chair. I've done it for almost 17 years now, but but it was just warming his chair. But when you follow a person whose legend was so great and his articulation and his, his pronunciations on things, he was so good at what he did. And it was so natural to, uh, to, to listen to him. Uh, and he said to me, you just be yourself. And that's what I really wanted to do anyway. I just wanted to do it the way I did it. I wasn't trying to be Roy Steele and, 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 and I didn't, and I haven't, but that didn't mean that I didn't have the utmost respect for him and the most appreciation for years when he would come back to visit the Coliseum, he'd come up into the booth and we'd sit and chat for a little while back and forth. And some days was more difficult for others because as you know, he had a lengthy medical history that was, it was very tough for him to deal with many times, but, but the consummate professional and, and just, just a great guy to work with. He was fabulous. And then of course, from your, you know, losing Chester, as we've talked about and, what he meant inside Diamond Vision, you know, another yep. tough, tough uh, situation this week, losing him. Well, that's that, you know, it's a double barrel hit when you lose both of those guys within a four day period of time. We knew that we knew that Roy was was sick for some time. But the word that we had gotten was that he was he was coming along. He was doing OK. Chester, you know, when he when he, he didn't quite finish the end of last season, but he was a remarkable guy to work with. And the things that he had done with his life, with his combination of his teaching career and his his outside work with in the entertainment world, I mean, people don't realize what else Chester was good at doing. But 
But the one thing that I'll remember ever about Chester was was uh, Braden was pitching the perfect game, and Chester, as a as, just as a habit, in the seventh inning of every the bottom of the seventh inning of every game, Chester got up and went and got us all containers of popcorn. So in the in the top of the seventh inning, he sat like two seats away from me for all these years, and he said, "Do I go and get?" popcorn and i said no chester i think you sit right there let somebody else get the popcorn because god knows we don't want to jinx we don't want to jinx the game and he said okay that's what i'll do so he sat there until the game was over and after that he always took credit for Braden's perfect game because he did not go for the popcorn and he said Braden has to understand that he pitched very well and everybody played well we played good defense but he said the reason he pitched the game was because i didn't go for the popcorn that's uh, but Chester was magnificent. He was well thought of in, in the teaching community at legions of fans and legions of students that were just uh, so much in love with him for all the things that he did to help them. And, uh, you know, when he put on the shows, he stopped doing the shows about three or four years ago. But when he put on the shows, you'd be amazed how many students would come back and come to these little theaters and just stack the place and just watch his performances with various people. It was great. And he always had candy. Oh, always, always. That's going to be the biggest thing we're going to miss. Uh, you know, I lost a bunch of weight over the past few months, and I can see now how the hell we're going to get it back on because somebody else will try to cover, and they'll bring more candy. So we'll be, we'll be, we'll be into the stuff. But he would bring bags in, Chris. It wasn't just that, you know, like a little bag of six bars of candy or something. He would have, I would say conservatively, he had fifty to seventy-five dollars worth of candy uh, in the beginning of a homestand. And, he, and people would come in from other parts of the press box knowing that this arsenal of, of caloric intake was sitting right there. And they'd come down, hey, Chad, how are we doing? What do we got today? And he'd say, Just, there it is. Pick what you like. And there was bags of it on the counter. So it was great. You know, in your line of work, people don't understand how important you are until you're not there. And then that's when people go, wait a minute, that's a different voice. And I experienced yeah. this. I don't remember what year it was when I had to fill in for you. And the minute mm -hmm. I started talking, people were like, where's Dick Callahan? What, what? And, and, and yeah. people know my voice. So they're like, why is Townsend doing this? I, I had friends in the stands texting me going, why are you on the PA? And yeah. it, it's, like, it's like, you're not totally appreciative until you're not there. I think I – I, you know, I appreciate that comment, and I, I believe it's also true. I have gotten comments from people. I had one guy, one day I was out get, putting some tickets at the will call window, and we had had the, the 19 inning game, and this guy stayed, it was quarter after one in the morning. I had to go to the bathroom because I, I, I can't leave the booth, right? So I was there from seven o'clock until one, whatever it was, one thirty in the morning. And, and I went out. I said somebody had to sub for me, so somebody just did the quick intro of the first part of the of the half of, half inning. Went out and I came back, and that following weekend I was out on the promenade, putting some tickets at the will call window, and this guy walked up to me and he said, "Did you go to the bathroom in in the fourth, fifteenth, sixteenth, whatever it was, seventeenth inning?" I said, "What?" He said, "Yeah, did you go to?" The, I said, "Yeah." I, I said, "No, first of all, because I never go," and I said, "Yeah, I, I did, absolutely did go." And and he said, I said, I only missed one thing. Oh yeah, no. He said, we pay attention to you. He said, we know when you're not there. He says so. So I said, no, I went to the bathroom. <laughs> that was my moment of fame at, uh, as as part of the 19 inning ball game. But uh, yeah, they, they 
they tell me that this is true. I, I've been I've been very blessed. The the people that I work with in in the in the Diamond Vision booth, uh, I don't know many of the other departments in the in the in the in the organization at all, and that's okay. I don't have to know them. But the people I work with in the Diamond Vision booth are fabulous to work with. They've always made my atmosphere as productive as they could, and they've they've always shown me the respect. Most of those guys are 30 or 40 years younger than I am, but uh, they make make it nice so that you can concentrate on doing your job and not making mistakes and anything of this nature. But uh, I love those guys. I mean, I mean, whether it's whether it's Amelia or Justin or or Charlie or, or Danny or any of those guys, they're all just great guys to work with, and uh, I enjoy it very very much. So you become a big workout guy in uh, the during during this quarantine. You know, you know, Chris, maintaining a sex symbol image is very hard when you get to be in your late seventies. It's not easy to do that. Uh, so I, I, I decided that if I just stopped eating for two or three weeks, it probably would work out just as well. Uh, but, but now since I can't leave the house, and now since I can't go, you know, go to the gym because it's not available, uh, I, I'm amazed. I've dropped 35 pounds, so I'm happy with that. And uh, I, I've also limited my my alcohol consumption, which is a terrible admission for an Irish guy to say that, because you know you we this is part of our heritage is the is the desire to and the ability to consume a certain amount of alcohol, which is, which is good for you, it cleans out the rest of your system. Well, don't worry, I I I I, I took you lost that weight, I gained it, and I continue oh, to stay strong. Uh, I, I think the booze is what keeps me healthy and keeps me safe. Well, I I don't think it's. You know, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of booze. It's good. It's just, it's like, there's nothing wrong with a, with a hot fudge Sunday every now and then, too. But too many of those will cause the same some kind of a problem. But uh, now I've been blessed. My, uh, I've, I have three daughters. I affectionately refer to them as MasterCard, Visa, and Overdraft because they always seem to be short of cash. But uh, they're all married, got great families, great husbands, ch- children. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great environment. So it makes my life easy. Uh, to be able to tolerate these, the, I, I will tell you this though: these eight or whatever the number of weeks are, eight or nine weeks, being by myself has not been a lot of fun. I'm a single person, and it hasn't been fun. But it's also been very difficult because a little over two weeks ago, almost three weeks ago now, I had to put my dog asleep, and uh, he was here for, was with me for 13 years, and I took him everywhere. You know, he was with me in the car all the time, and, but his health had just deteriorated. He was 17 plus years old, and and uh, but there was another reason to find a Manhattan glass someplace and toast it to the prince because he was a wonderful dog. Yeah, it's been the only time <laughs> in my life, Dick, that um, if you crack a beer at like ten thirty, no one's going to look at you weird. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking AM or PM now? Which time of the day are you talking about? <laughs> talking AM. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you. I, as you know, you, you've been a friend of mine for a long time, and, and I, I wouldn't want to miss without what the impact that you're making with ace cast and what you do you're a terrific professional you've got a great family man and you're very very knowledgeable and you work hard at what you do and i can tell you from having been in the business world for as long as i was i i was very successful during these times but i will tell you that i dealt with a lot of people that uh, proved that there's more horses asses than horses and uh, uh but in dealing with you on a regular basis and you're just a consummate professional. The A's are fortunate to have you doing what they're, they're doing as they make this transition. Uh, but you're 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 solid gold, my friend. You are solid gold. Well, you've helped me in life, and far more than just baseball and what our relationship 
has meant uh you're you're very special to me i love you and uh be safe i know you got a doctor's appointment we just wanted to get you on to talk about your friend roy but uh we'll be calling you soon because uh who knows uh the next time you're going to be starring at a local grocery store (laughs) i won't sleep now i'll be waiting for the phone call to just ring i'll have the i'll have the volume turned up so i don't i don't miss that call my god that would be that'd be awful that would that that would be a, a trajectory like no other problem of the Titanic. It would just take me right under if I didn't get to do it. Take care, buddy. All right. God bless. Thanks for thanks for your thanks for all your help and your support and your affection, Chris. And the continued success to you too. Thanks for the call. The great Dick Callahan, the voice of the Coliseum. Now you talk about familiar voices. That's a familiar voice. I think the best line in there was the maintaining the sex symbol image in your late seventies. <laughs> I did not expect that. To, I did not expect that. And when he, when he said that, I was like, this is, this is an all time line. He, he just, the both times we've had him, he's been incredible with uh, the Safeway story and then the stuff today. So uh, we got to have more of Dick Callahan on Ace cast. I mean, how crazy is that? Like you're at the grocery store. Hey, can you uh, get on the, like, I don't think I've ever been in the grocery store when someone got on the mic. I used to have to do announcements here when I when I was doing uh, radio part time and working running the wine and liquor at Knob Hill. I was I had to do stuff for for specials in the wine and liquor, but I also had to do it when I did it in college in Pennsylvania when I was doing it. But you're right, I don't, you don't hear it very often, and to hear someone like Dick Callahan, who is known by a lot of people who come to the Coliseum and other sporting events, to hear him doing an announcement at a a random Safeway in like Alamo, I think is where he said it was. Uh, it's really odd, but it's really cool to hear that. You know, he's keeping himself busy by doing uh, Safeway, and he wants to do the chicken pie shop, and we could probably use a new spot and a new voice for that as well. You know, I'm going to think about Probably I have heard it, but it's been a while since I've heard anybody get on a mic at a grocery store. Yeah, everything's more – If you, I know you want to announce up to, you know, up to the minute specials and stuff, but just pre-record it and just play it on loop. It's easier. Then you're losing people productivity with their jobs and stuff. And here I am going off about people not doing work in the grocery store when I commend everyone who worked during this whole pandemic working at the grocery store because I used to – I did it forever, you know, not during a pandemic, but I did it for a long time. And, you know, I, I know what it's like, but I can only imagine what it's like now uh, going through everything with toilet paper being gone and all that stuff. So major kudos to the grocery store workers that have been working during this whole pandemic. Yeah, we don't consider them frontline workers, but they're on the front line too. They've been they've been doing this. They they never shut down. They're a central business. I actually saw the Zanatos guy, and that might be a, a South Bay thing. He was on the driving range yesterday, and I got introduced to him. I said, "Hey, I support. I, I shop there." So I, is, is, is Zanatos only in the South Bay? That's a good question. I still haven't gone there, and it's right down the street from me. Uh, I, I, I tried to Zanatos? No, and this is a discussion you and I've had and I've had it with a few other people that live around us that I've never been there. I got to get there. I, I, I like uh, I like Lenardi's. Lenardi's is a nice local gr- grocery store, but there well, you, you, you live a block away from Whole Foods. So it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, that's that's true. And Target and Target's right down the street and Safeway's right down the street as well. But I don't hear Dick Callahan at that Safeway. I don't hear anybody in that Safeway. Yeah, he's not big until he does your safe way. Yeah. That's when Dick Callahan's big. All right. Simulated season. We've been following this. Oh, and we also get a we also got to get an update on Northern California versus Southern California. The LA Times put this out. 
and you're taking the greatest players who grew up in Northern California against the greatest players that grew up in Southern California. So like Barry Bonds, Ricky Henderson, these guys are Northern California, Tom Seaver, Randy Johnson, they're on the Northern California team. And then you got like Mark McGuire, George Brett, Ted Williams, Tony Gwynn on the Southern California team. We'll get an update. They're playing a best of seven series. I have no idea where we stand. And they're, they're, they're going from, they played at Seal Stadium, they're playing at Candlestick, Dodger Stadium, the Big A in Anaheim, uh, Petco. I, is Game 7 at the Collie? Game 7 is at um, or, is at Oracle Park. Game 6 is at the Coliseum. Okay. I, have the, so, I have the schedule right here. How they're, many games are we in? Uh, so we played, game, we played Game 3 through today. It was at Dodger Stadium, which we'll update in a minute. Then Game 4 is tomorrow. Game 5 is Sunday at Petco Park. Game six, if necessary, at the Coliseum. Game seven, if necessary, at Oracle Park. Tomorrow's game will be played at the Big A in Anaheim. Why do I think this is going to go seven? Uh, it would be smart to see these two teams go seven. <laughs> these two teams go seven games. We felt I for, we forgot to mention that. So Gabe Kapler and I believe Dave Roberts are picking the lineups for the teams, and Bruce Jenkins is the manager for the Northern California team from the Chronicle. And I believe it's uh, there's a it's an LA Times writer that's doing it for for the Southern California team. So we have NorCal versus SoCal with the managers and and the man the actual MLB managers picking the lineup. So it's it's a really interesting thing that they the the, the Times and the Chronicle collaborated to do. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. Let's get hey, get creative. Get creative. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, where are we in the baseball reference simulated season? Athletics in the American League West. So the A's finished up the series yesterday in Houston with a split. They moved to 34 and 24. That that was still a game behind the Mariners somehow. The A's won seven, six, and ten innings. Sean Mania won eight innings, allowing four runs while striking out seven. He still has an ERA under three on the season, so that's good. Liam Hendricks picked up his third win of the year after blowing his fourth save. Not good. But Jake Diekman picked up his fourth save of the year for the A's. Mark Canna hit his ninth home run of the season and ninth to give the A's the 6-4 lead, and they went on the win in the 10th inning. Now that gets us to today. Well, the A's moved to 35-24, the 7-2 win over the worst team in the American League, the Texas Rangers. Frankie Montas goes six scoreless innings with six strikeouts, moved to 3-4 on the season. But that ERA is a little high still, 589. But the A's still remain a game behind the Seattle Mariners, who have 36 wins and 23 losses. Yasmero Petit won two and a third innings to pick up the save. Chris Davis, home run number 17 in the first inning off, uh. after Mr. War himself, Mike Miner, and Austin Allen, who who is the modern-day Stephen Vote, I believe is what we were told. In the game, he went three for four with two RBIs. He's now hitting 320 on the season. The A's have two games left at Globe Life Park, the new one, before heading home to face the Detroit Tigers and the San Francisco Giants. Austin Allen. Yeah, so that's the scouting report that Bob Townsend, my brother, who is connected into the – actually, Bob's kind of connected to the A's too. There is a uh, – there is a large group of 
baseball people who are members at San Diego Country Club, including our own Grady Fuson. You don't, you don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. So there's a bunch of Padre people that are also members there. So my brother's getting info constantly for us. He is our he is our fly on the wall for uh, information around the athletics and the Padres. You don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. And so I I hate told my brother when this the whole deal went down. Who's Austin Allen? Give me a scouting report. And the scouting report is. They see him as a Stephen Vote type player. And last time I checked inside this organization, this fan base, Stephen Vogt's a pretty popular guy, the two-time All-Star for the Oakland Athletics, and a man that we can call friend of the program. Funny you mentioned him. I, I actually texted him the other day because he's I'm part of the I-5 series playing for Northern California. He's like the third catcher on the on the roster. He was unavailable to join us. But he told me to tell you. He said hello. So I re- I did talk to Stephen Vogt the other day, and you're right. It's it's cool to hear that. I mean, it's only 50 at bats, but he's hitting 320. But that's great for Austin Allen. I, I still just can't believe that the Texas Rangers, new ballpark, a lot of optimism, a healthy Joey Gallo, Mike Miner, and Lance Lynn, who led baseball in WAR last year, pretty much were pitchers, analysts, position players. Kluber. Kluber, they're 16 Ooh. and 41. They're what? 16 and 41. Let's just pull up some of the stats that's on there. Not, that's not a way to open up a new ballpark. Lance Lynn has a 399 ERA on the year. Corey Kluber has a 521 ERA on the year. Where's Mike Miner? Mike Miner is 1 and 5 with a 7 ERA on the season for the Rangers. Not good. That's why No, that is not good. They're the worst team in Major League Baseball by a lot. The Rangers are? Yep. They have 16 wins. Everyone else is over 20. Let's see. Who are the worst? Who, so it's got to be like the Tigers got to be bad. The yep. Orioles got to be bad. Yep. The Royals got to be bad. The Padres got to be bad. Uh, I remember the Marlins kind of got out to a little bit of a hot start, but they got to be bad. So I'll give you the worst teams in each division. The worst team in the AL East, the Orioles at 22 and 36. You mentioned the Tigers are 21 and 36. The Padres are 22 and 36. The Giants not far behind, 22 and 35. Oh, I forgot about the Giants. The Chicago Cubs are the last place team in the Central. Not my beloved Pirates. They're second. The Pirates somehow in second place. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Derek Sheldon era has begun. (laughs) You don't hire Rossi if you want a puppet. Rossi's not doing well in Chicago on the north side. They have 23 wins, 35 losses. The Florida – I must call them the Florida Marlins, the Miami Marlins, excuse me, 24 and 34. The Phillies, 24 and 32. Panic in Philadelphia for Franny and crew. Uh, I think the best news out of all of this is the projections for Chris Davis. Chris Davis was lost last year. I don't know how you hit 40 or more home runs three straight years and then just lose it. He got out to the hot start last year, signed the contract, banged his hip in in Pittsburgh and then just it just spiraled to a point to where man he he struggled to make contact and you kept hearing that 
no, he's got to be hurt. He's got to be hurt. He's got to be hurt. And I investigated it, and at some point they're like, he's not hurt. So the simulated season has Chris – how many home runs is he at right now? He is now sixth in Major League Baseball with 17 home runs. 17 home runs in how many games? He's played in third – he's played in 55 games. If Chris Davis gets back to being Chris Davis – and you mix him in a lineup where you got Chapman and you got Olsen and you got Loriano and you got Canna, uh, Simeon leading off. You could talk about this being a monster lineup. A mo- I mean, who would want to pitch against that? Who really? And, and let's say Barreto, Mateo, whoever. Gives you some offense at second base. I mean, you essentially have offense at every single position. There's no easy out. If you can get production, because you're going to get production at catcher. You're going to get production from everybody in the outfield. The DH is now hitting again, Chris Davis. Three of the three of the infield positions, third, short, and first, you're getting offense. Literally, if you can get somebody that is productive at second base, all nine batters in the lineup can hurt you. How many lineups in baseball can say that? That there's no easy out. That's what I'm saying. If they can get something out of second base, whoever it's at, you want to put noise at, whoever you want to put there. If... You can get some type of productivity. All nine guys can hurt you. I don't think every offense in baseball can say that. I agree. That's why the A's, that's why the A's, and a lot of people around baseball feel it, they're one of the favorites going into this thing, especially in a shortened season. Now I don't have to worry about Puck. Now I don't have to worry about Lazardo. We can take the, the, the kid gloves off and just say you're going every five days. Well, I think the only teams I can think of off the top of my head that have positions like that, the Dodgers would be one, and the Yankees, the two best teams along with the Astros last year that have dominant line. I, I can't say the Astros right now because I don't know what they're going to be like heading into the season and when, if we had the season and playing 82 games because we don't know how the sign ceiling thing is going to affect them and, and everything like that and just going forward. But the Yankees definitely, they have power all around, and so do the Dodgers now adding Mookie Betts. But, yeah, the A's – Everywhere you look, things get any production out of second base. And you get healthy Steven Piscotty back, who is a, gr- is a very good player when he's healthy. They have a very scary lineup going forward, and you're right about the, the rotation. Take the gloves off, Puck and Lazardo, because now you don't have to worry about inning limits and all that stuff uh, since the season's going to be shortened. Very scary, and hopefully we get to see it this year in Oakland. Coming up next, Mark Teixeira former World Series champion with the New York Yankees, now a broadcaster, said something about free agents. What? What is it? And do we agree? Next, right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. 
Coming up here at 2.30, Jeff Blum from the Houston Astros, the former Cal Bear and World Series hero for the Chicago White Sox, will join us as we'll preview today the American League West, the champs, the Houston Astros. But before we do that, Buster Olney, you know, one of the great podcasts in sports, Baseball Tonight podcast, highly recommend it. Uh, Mark Deshera from ESPN stopped by and had to say this about potential free agents. I don't, I don't have the audio of it. What? Yeah, I didn't get it. I thought I figured we'd just explain it. It's easy to explain. Okay, then you explain it. So Teixeira was on yesterday with Buster. I actually got a chance to listen to his podcast on the drive up to uh, – I was driving somewhere yesterday, so I got to listen to it. And Teixeira was on there talking about the season and what could happen. And he brought up the idea of free agency. And if you're a guy playing for a team that's not very good or just a guy that's a free agent and the idea of sitting out the season to head into free agency in 2021. And now a guy he mentioned was DJ LeMahieu because LeMahieu's playing for the Yankees and he's a free agent after the year. But he was like, I don't see LeMahieu calling Aaron Boone and going, Booney, I think I'm going to sit out for uh, – sit out. I know we can win the World Series here, but I think I'm just going to sit out and you know hope for the best for next year, get a bigger contract. But if you're a guy playing for a team like the Orioles, the Tigers, the Padres, who might be better, if you're a guy on one of those teams that's a free agent in the, in the off, coming up in the offseason and we're only playing 82 games and your team's out of it by 40 games in, why not pull Leonard Fournette or Christian McCaffrey in the bowl game against when they did it a couple of years ago and just sit out the rest of the year and wait for free agency and don't hurt your value? And that's just the gist of it is pretty much what they were talking about. How do you hurt your value by playing? By getting hurt. That's why the like Fournette and those guys they sat out because they know they already had the insurance that they were going to be drafted and yeah, they're going to get that paid. Was sitting out one game. That's a that's a ball game. That's a big deal. That's sitting out one game. I don't know how smart it would be as a player to not play Major League Baseball for over a year. I want you to think about that. So the last time these guys played was September. So you don't play, by the time we get to September, that's a year you haven't played baseball. Then you go October, November, December, January, February. I mean, you start talking about you think you can step away from the game for basically what? March. You know, we don't even know. We don't know what this year is going to look like. Clearly don't know what next year is going to look like. But let's just say you basically start at the end of March. You think it's a wise idea, Cody, to step away from your craft? One of the toughest things to do is hit a baseball because of velocity and the changing of the planes and all the things, timing. You think it's smart to take a year and a half off? To me personally, no. But I could see the point of if you're playing halfway through and you know your team's out of it where you just sit out the rest of the So if you play half the year – you get your hacks in, you feel good, and you're like, okay, well, you know, 
we're not going anywhere as a member of the Detroit Tigers or the Orioles. Yeah, but who's on those teams that's good enough to do that? That's where I don't get it. Who 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 is who is who is playing for the Tigers right now that you're like, I oh, can't wait for him to be a free agent because we're jumping all over. Cassianos was the only guy. Uh, I was say, he's gone. So yeah, it was him. I was trying to look up like I was trying to build off of the rationale of what Teixeira was talking about. And I looked up a lot of the the free agents that were up up and coming for this, you know, the 2021 offseason. A lot of the guys are playing for teams that are good. Guys that are playing for like the Yankees and, and different like guys that are, Mookie Betts with the Dodgers. Do you think he's going to sit out the year because hey, I can get three hundred million dollars. I'm not going to play and try to win a World Series with the Dodgers. I'm just going to sit out. Absolutely did, not. Hey, hey, I'll tell you this. As a general manager. And this would be a great question for Billy or for David or Farhan. If a guy sits out and he hasn't played in a year and a half, is that really an attractive guy? You haven't you, you haven't played in a year and a half. You want you want me to give you three hundred million and you haven't played in a year and a half? I I that's a scary proposition for me. We'll ask Jeff Blum coming up here. Here, but, here's a couple of the guys that are free agents. Mookie's one. You got JT Romuto, uh, Trevor Bauer, uh, George Springer of the Astros, Marcus Stroman, Marcelo Zuna, DJ LeMayhew, Mike Miner, and Jake Odorizzi. And then you have also Marcus Simeon too. But all these guys play on teams that are, are projected to contend maybe besides the Rangers. So why would they sit out the entire season and not play? I, and there's no – and there's no guarantee there's going to be a season. What the offseason is going to look like going into next year? I don't. I don't understand Cher's rationale there. I'm not going to play because I don't want to get hurt. Well, a. I don't think it's good for you mentally. I don't. B. I don't think it's good for you physically. And C. Now you're not making any money. This is your job. It's still Major League Baseball. You still can go to the playoffs. You still, in theory, can win the World Series. You're going to tell the baseball world, nah, this is not a real season. Well, the guys who have played, there's, there, this isn't the only shortened season in the history of the game. Fact or fiction? Uh, fact. And 1981 was such a weird season. They had halves. They had a first half and a second half. Well, guess what? There was still a World Series champion. They got the rings. They got the bonuses. I don't understand the rationale. And like we said, who who's worth a you-know-what playing on a bad team that's going to be a free agent? I mean that, that. I mean that'd be a bad. Like Mookie Betts said, I'm not playing. Your market, by the way, especially coming out of this pandemic, your market's going to be really small. I don't see anybody that's a mid mid market to small market, and I don't want to base it off. How many people live in in around your territory? I want to base it off how much money you make. 
So the mid to lower teams, money-wise, and after the pandemic and no fans, they're not in on big-time free agents. I think sitting out, you're right, sitting out would be would be silly for, for a lot of different reasons, especially looking at it from the way the game looks already now with a lot of the arguments going on. But then if you have a star player who says, eh, I'm not going to play. It just, to me, it doesn't sit right, and it hurts the value. I think it hurts the integrity of the game. CBS Sports is saying NBA discussed four potential formats for return to play during Board of Governors call Friday. Nick Swisher coming up here. What time are we doing Swishalicious? Three o'clock. Three o'clock? Nick Swisher is going to tell you, if you're telling me the NBA's playing, the NHL's playing, golf's playing, NASCAR's playing, NFL's getting ready for training camp, and you guys aren't playing, wait till you hear, and I didn't even ask him this. He brought it up. Nick Swisher, former player who is not tone deaf. And we'll ask Jeff. We got a lot to talk. We haven't talked to Blummer in a while. Yeah, lots happened. Lots happened. Is he calling us or are we calling him? He's going to call into us. I sent him the number earlier today. And and uh, I think the NBA is eyeing July 31st for their return. Right in the middle of, wait, what's going on then? Training camp. And hockey. You would have hockey in their 2014 playoff if that actually goes through. All happening at the same time along with golf and NASCAR and everything else. And then you have college football potentially ramping up in August and them getting ready for for their season. So the clock's ticking right now, and we and hopefully they figure something out in the next week or so. The Astros last year, 107 and 55. <laughs> yes, they led Major League Baseball in wins. They went 60 and 21, uh, banging on trash cans at home. They didn't strike out, and their pitchers struck everybody out. They were 18 and 1 against the Seattle Mariners, 14 and 5 against the Angels. They scored 920 runs and allowed only 640. Put that just put that into your brain. They scored 920 runs and allowed only 640. They hit 274 as a team. And that's first in baseball. Hey, Cody, um, you said batting average doesn't matter. They had the best batting average in baseball, and they won 107 games. It's pretty good. It's pretty good by them. They had the, the two, I don't know. They also had 288 home runs. Uh, that helps a lot, too, third in baseball. Uh, and they don't strike out. And they don't strike out, and they, get on, and they walk a lot. They get on base a lot. Their, pit, their starting pitching really struggled, though, last year. Yeah, that, that was, those two guys that led to rotation, they could have had a better year. Yeah, their uh, their starters last year were only seventy nine and thirty seven. They were fourth in innings pitched, third in ERA, fourth in WAR, first in strikeouts. Verlander and Cole both won twenty games and struck out three hundred guys. My God, that's that's like it's like unheard of. It's it's incredible to get one guy to strike out three hundred batters in a season. They had two guys on the same staff do it. Their bullpen went 28 and 18. They had the second best ERA, eighth best war, fifth in saves. 
And then eh, the hammer came down. Well, it didn't come down on the 2019 team, who ended up losing in the World Series. Great World Series. Only World Series we've ever seen where the road team won every game. I mean, when you look back, isn't that crazy that the home team didn't win? Yeah, that ser- that series was great and was watching every time. It looked like the Astros could have won game seven, and then the you know we know what, how, how that turned out. But to win 60 games at home last year and not win one in the World Series, it's pretty crazy to, to see that all fall apart for them. And with Garrett Cole gone, I mean, how, how, how's there, what are they going to do for a rotation? I mean, Lance McCullers is still going to be a guy that they're going to, you know, guys that come off Tommy John are still going to be babied. Urquidy, Josh James. I mean, the rotation does not look like it did at all. And their number one pitching prospect, Forrest Whitley, struggled last year when he when he was when he the first half of the season. So that's the guy they're counting on to maybe take a spot in rotation later on in the year. We'll see. Arkady and, and um, Josh James have never started an f- entire season in Major League Baseball. No, Arkady pitched that game in the ALCS against the Yankees. He pitched very well in the bullpen game. But other than that, like, can you count on him for you know 30, 35, 30 to thirty three starts a year? I, I don't know. Well, well, I guess well we're not going to really see that this year, but. We'll see going forward what, what these guys can do behind Verlander and Granke. And McCullers coming off Tommy John. I, I love the sub, sub, subtractions. Jeffrey Luno, A.J. Hinch, Garrett Cole, Will Harris. Draft picks. $5 million they were buying. <laughs> oh, man. They, you know... When they started the season, they were going to be just hammered. Everybody was going to hammer them. They were going to hammer them in Anaheim. We were going to hammer them here in in Oakland. And we were going to see how they handled it. I don't know. I don't know if they've been let off the hook. But with the pandemic and no fans, that is is big for the Astros. Uh, By the way, I'm calling Blummer right now. Uh, he said the code wasn't working that I gave him, so we'll call him. All right. There's two teams that benefited, and I hate to make anyone benefit from this, Yankees and Astros. <laughs> World Series hero. Now does television for the Houston Astros. And the former Cal Bear. Blummer, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? Ah, it's great to hear your voice. We miss you. I know. It's been a long time. I should have gone through there at least twice already by now, right? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's just like, man, we need to get these games going because we all miss the game so much. And uh, how is everything down in Texas? Uh, It's it's great. And you guys know as well as I do, and uh, having lived in California, that. You know, states can be different. So there's parts of Texas that uh, are locked down, and then there's other parts you would think nothing ever happened. So it's kind of a unique mix. You know, we, we just were talking about Mark Teixeira and the comment of on Buster Only's po- podcast, Baseball Tonight, about how some guys who are going to be free agents, you know, maybe they say, I'm going to sit this one out, shorten season, don't want to get hurt. 
And the more I tried to, to, to wrap my mind around that, I was like, if you don't play this year, you're basically going to be out and have not played Major League Baseball for really a year and a half. How tough would that be to sit out for a year and a half and then try and turn it back on? That, that's an interesting concept because I've never met a, an athlete, especially a professional athlete, that has ever said, I think it's better if I don't play. Uh, if, if there's any kind of ego involved, which majority of the time there is, um, everybody wants to go out there and play, prove their worth. And uh, every day you get in a car, you're risking injury. Uh, shoot, this day and age, if you go outside without a mask, you're risking uh, potential uh, health issues. So I don't think that's the right frame of mind. I think guys who are successful understand how good they are and they enjoy going out there and proving it on a daily basis. And if you're choosing to not play baseball because you're worried about being injured in a short season. I think uh, your mind might be other places. And that's an unfortunate comment for me. You know, and I, I, and I, I, I hate to say this because it sounds horrible because there's, there's more important things really in life right now than, than worrying about who's benefited from the pandemic. But I, I think of two teams of how banged up the Yankees were heading to the start of the season. This allows them to get fully healthy and then I think about, and we were going to see it in Anaheim, we were going to see it in Oakland, about how the fans were going to react to the Houston Astros and come after the Houston Astros. Now with no fans in the stands, I hate to say it, but I think that benefits Houston. No, I agree. And you talked about the injuries, too. Just to hit that real quick, uh, Verlander you know, had a lat injury and ended up having groin surgery. Lance McCullers coming off. Tommy John surgery. And so that kind of helped them out too. So I agree with you in the sense that some of these teams that had some injury issues in spring have benefited a little bit from this layoff and, and potential of season starting so they can be back to full strength. Now to your point about getting booed, I agree. And I know that, you know, this is one of those topics that's maybe on the back burner a little bit, but uh, you know, they, it depends on how you look at it because in, in the sense of saying that the Astros benefit from not having to face fan vitriol is interesting to me because within the confines of a ballpark, it's a little bit different than social media. Social media, uh, people are going to be a little more courageous in what they say about the Astro, Astros, a little more angry. And at the same time, the Astros have the option of turning that off uh, and not paying attention to it. Once you get into a ballpark and you have the fans there, the fans are going to let you have it. And there is a certain level of expectation when you do go on the road to have some of that anger put against you just because you're the opposing team. And then you add the scandal to it and you're, uh, you're going to get a little more uh, exaggerated and enthusiastic fans will say in letting these guys know how they feel about what that, what happened in 2017. But at the same time, you know, there's a couple guys on the 17 team there. There aren't guys on the 17 team there, but, there are also guys, as crazy as it sounds, who have that, you know, that, that crazy personality that kind of want that hatred and can use it as motivation. And that's where I was kind of curious to see how the Astros would react. Would they be the guys who would buckle under the pressure or would they be the guys that step up and say, you know what, we're going to be the Detroit Pistons of baseball and go out there and play hard and beat your team? You know, three names, and you mentioned McCullers, and the other two names in a shortened season, which – I'm really looking forward to see how this works out is Jesus Lazardo and AJ Puck. AJ Puck was shut down. He should be healthy. 
you know, how we're going to match because McCullers, you know, we're we, we baby guys coming off Tommy John. So this layoff is going to help him. You know, these young pitchers in a shortened season, are we going to take the kid gloves off and say, hey, you're going every five days. It's a shortened season. Let's rock. I hope so. I think that would be a great idea to let these guys go out there and see what they can do and maybe use them a little more opportunistically instead of trying to pace yourself. Because I agree with you, the Lance McCullers situation after Tommy John, there's been a history of limiting guys' innings. You know, how do you work him through a season? And now you really don't have to. You can let him go out there and get his 15, 16 starts if that's the number you're set on. And then like you're saying about uh, some of those young A's pitchers, I, to be honest, you know, the baseball fan in me wants to see these guys as often as possible. I was excited about this season because of guys like Lazardo and Pluck, who are, uh, Puck that are going out there and doing a great job. So if these guys can be healthy and can be used in a certain way, I think it benefits Bob Melvin. I think it benefits Dusty Baker. But I also think when you expand, if you take it a little bit further in the 30-man roster and, you know, 50-man travel squad that you've got, you might have the potential to put some more of those prospects in or on that roster to maybe see if you can get some explosive outings from those guys too because of the lack of a minor league season. That would be exciting to me too. And in a shortened season, I mean, it sounds like the players want to play 100 games. Owners are looking at 82. Whatever it is, the advantage that the Astros had is that they were so deep and they just exposed people in 162 games. But as you just mentioned, expanded rosters, more players, less games. It's a sprint, not a marathon. I've been asking people, uh, in your opinion, it's kind of like anybody that has a puncher's chance. They got a shot at this thing. Absolutely. And if I'm a, managing a ball club right now and we get the go-ahead to play this season and whether whether it's 82 or 100 games I'm telling these guys that anything literally anything can happen in a shortened season like this and that's I think what baseball should actually use as a selling point if they're able to get this thing going is explain the fact that it is a sprint and that you could have surprise teams that get hot all of a sudden and figure it out and maybe beat some you know more notable teams who are a little bit slower getting out of the gate. I think there's going to be a lot of emphasis on that first month. If and when these guys get going could be a lot of fun. And then if you kind of take it from the team standpoint and narrow it down to the individual standpoint, is there going to be a guy that hits 400? You know, there are guys that get on hot enough streaks that you could see them hitting 380, 390 in about three, four, 500 at-bats, and maybe they can be able to pull that off. And that would be add an extra level of excitement to the game. Yeah, we had the, uh, I think it was MLB.com did the article about the amount of guys that hit 400 in 82 games. It was crazy how many, you know, like (laughs) Ted Williams did it multiple times. Tony Gwynn did it multiple times. George Mm -hmm. Brett, Wade Boggs. I mean, yeah, we could finally in our lifetime see a guy hit 400. I think that would be one of the more fascinating thing, fascinating things to see is to see if somebody actually went out there, got hot early, and were able to maintain it. Because this day and age with the guy's abilities to command the strike zone, you know, I think about a guy like Joey Votto, very good hitter. If he can narrow down the strike zone and find his hits, adjust to maybe some of the shifts that are being put on him, he, he could be a guy that jumps out there and has a chance. And, of course, I'm going to be biased towards Jose Altuve just because he gets so many infield hits 
and we've seen him get a bulk of amount of hits in such a short amount of time that maybe he's the guy that goes out and does it. What do you think? I mean, go back to your playing days. What do you think that would be like if you're sitting at like 410, 415, and then all of a sudden, like, there's going to be, it's going to be a story. I mean, hell, it could be multiple guys, but what do you think that would be like as a hitter when, because George Brett always said the reason why he didn't hit 400 is because he started trying to hit 400. What do you think it would be like the media scrutiny as a hitter and the mentality as a hitter? I, I can't even imagine, you know, if, and you're competing on the field and uh, you're, you're getting the notoriety. And like you said, you're getting some of that, you know, this day and age with the information overload we're on between social media and the internet, it's going to be overwhelming how many articles are actually written about a guy that's able to go out there and hit 400. But then I think George Brett, like you just said, kind of summed it up probably better than any of us could is that our toughest critics and even, even being in the broadcasting business, you know, this town, you're, you are your toughest critic. And even though you think you had a great show, you're probably not going to convince yourself that you did. And you're going to start thinking about how can I get better? And once you start thinking about how can I get better when your batting average is around 400, 410, Man, I mean, that all of a sudden might put a clamp down on your swing and, and cause some issues because uh, you've got to, you know, I think it was Lance Berkman who I talked to. He said, he goes, I'm the best hitter when I'm, at, when I'm, at, when I'm dumb. And it, you, the longer you can be dumb, the better hitter you might be. And that's tough to do. Yeah, you know, I, I think about the whole, the whole scandal and everything that, 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 that went on and it's crisis management. And if there was anybody to hire to come in and help put out the fire and be the new face. I mean, we, mm-hmm. Dusty Baker is salt of the earth. We love Dusty. He's a great man. I, I He's like the best. If there was anybody you could pick out to take over the Astros, he's like the perfect fit. I couldn't agree with you more. And I had a lot of times, you know, playing against Dusty and some of the teams that he managed. And now I get a chance to talk to him. And selfishly, I'm really upset that this uh, this pandemic has happened because it's taken me away from hanging around Dusty a little more often. Because you are, I mean, salt of the earth is the epitome of what he is. Everything he's been through, whether it be, you know, being an African-American ball player playing down in Atlanta and dealing with that and having a, a, a mentor like Hank Aaron. I mean, can you imagine? And then being on deck for his 715th home run and seeing how he handled that. And then managing through the big leagues, playing through the 80s, he has done so much and he's seen so much that you're right. I think in this sense, even though this is a foreign concept to him and moving into a team that is scandal ridden from 2017, he really offers a father type figure because he's been around the game. He's a little bit older, a little more experienced, and he can sit back and be that calming, soothing voice in in a sport that can be really run by emotion and help some of these guys out. But at the same time, you can also, you know, Dusty, when you were a player, did you face controversy? And he can come at him as a father figure or as a peer because he played the game for so long, too. So I think you're right. It's a great fit and good timing. I'll never forget uh, being at the press conference when he came back from cancer. And he he had the line that I'll never forget where he goes, tomorrow is promised to nobody. And he was he was so right. And, you know. If this thing's going to go the way we think it's going to go, so everybody out west will play each other. Everybody in the central mm-hmm. will play each other. Everybody in the east will play each other. So that kind of changes everything. 
what do you think that'll be like for the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers? You're not playing out West anymore. You're playing everybody in the central. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting. I think they still have the Astros and uh, Rangers. We're still playing out in the West, aren't we? I don't know. I mean, I saw that where they're going to try and limit travel, right? So it would be like Pacific time zone teams play each other, Central mm-hmm. time zone, East time zone. I mean, I we, we don't we no one's given us a true plan. But let's just say <laughs> that's probably the better point. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just for joke. But let's say you don't come out west, and you know now you're you know you're old Chicago White Sox, and you're playing the Cubs and the Brewers, and the, I mean Twins. it'll be wild. Yeah, it would it would be wild if they actually did it regionally. It would be extremely weird because you know having been in the American League West for the last seven uh, seven years and getting used to that competition and building a team to compete within the Western Division, and now you've got to start playing within the Central divisions, whether it be the National League, which they were in before, so it'd be a little bit of a you know an old home week uh, playing the Cardinals, Cubs. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers and teams like that. I'm not sure if Pittsburgh would mix in, mix in there, but uh, then you'd have to play the American League Central, which would be very interesting to me because I feel like the Chicago White Sox have done a phenomenal job in building a team that's going to go out there and compete. They're still rather young, which might uh, work against them, but in a shortened season, it may work for them. And then you've got the Minnesota Twins who made some crazy additions, and they're going to compete, hit a lot of home runs again, and it's going to be incredibly tough. But uh, I'm, I'm, for me personally, I hope it's a West Coast AL West, NL West in the division and just go ahead and watch those guys go at it because I think that would be a lot of fun with some very good teams out there. Yeah, from an A's perspective, great. Not only we got the yeah, Astros, right? now we got to deal with the Dodgers. <laughs> Gosh, that would be insane though, wouldn't it? I mean, I couldn't imagine. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I so you obviously, you know, you grew up in Southern California um, and I've been kicking this around and you went to school up here. I'm like the A's taking on the giants for 19 games a year, the angels and the Dodgers, uh, A's and the, and, and, and the Dodgers, these, these, nat- these, they could be natural California rivalries. I mean, take, take the white Sox and Cubs, Yankees, Mets. I mean, the fact if we were, if you were, if your divisions were more regional, man, that would spark more for the fans. And I think it would increase attendance, television, radio ratings. You know, I I just think it would be better for the game. No, I couldn't agree more. And you're really in an opportunity right now, like you said, with so much uncertainty out there that if you're trying to, if you're trying to brand this game for fans across the country, and we know that baseball is a little more regional as far as its popularity, why wouldn't you try and create those already natural rivalries and put them together and let them play a little bit more often? Because I, the ratings are going to go up on TV just for obvious reasons. But at the same time, you're also going to create that, that camaraderie, that communication between fans on social media, talking about your two teams going at it, whether they be 10 miles away or you know, 20 miles away, it, it brings everybody together to watch the same game at the same time and just creates so much more energy around it and much more uh, entertainment value, I, I think, to it when you actually have that. You're going to be forced to watch every inning of every one of those, uh, you know, rivalry-type games. All right, October 25th, 2005. <laughs> you hit one of the biggest – I mean I, – Biggest home run in, in, in White Sox history. You have a statue now 
and uh, the south side of Chicago. If that game mm-hmm. is on, because we've been watching all these legendary games, if that game is on, White Sox Astros, will you watch that game? Oh my gosh! Yeah, are you kidding me? Heck yeah! Okay. No, da- you, you know, sorry. Dallas Braden has never watched his perfect game. Oh come on! You got to watch that and enjoy it, man. That's that was a once in a lifetime thing. You know what's cool? And part of the reason for me watching it is obviously selfishly, I want to watch myself succeed. But at the same time, there's been a lot of games that have been on uh, that, you know, my kids who are now freshmen and sophomores and or now sophomores and juniors in, in high school didn't see me play. They don't remember it. And now these games are coming on and I can go, hey, I told you dad was a big leaguer. And now they get to watch these games. And then obviously the biggest moment in my career, heck yeah, I'm going to force them to sit down and watch that game with me. Well, I mean, you just take your kids and t- you got a statue for God's sakes. Yeah, maybe they'll understand why now if they actually see that game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's end on this. Everybody's been doing a deep dive, and I've been asking all of our guests, what's the one thing, I don't know, Hulu, Netflix, books, games, puzzles, What's what, what's been going on in your household? Uh, school ended last week, so we're all fighting over Netflix. And uh, what my wife and I have done is kind of negotiated, uh, you know, a movie night where my wife and I get to pick movies. So we've done, you know, Shawshank Redemption. We've done some of those, you know, 80s classics, 90s classics. And then on Memorial Day, we made them watch uh, Saving Private Ryan. And so that's what we've been doing as far as movies are concerned. But TV shows are a little bit different. We're trying to get into Ozark. Uh, we're watching Ozark Mad Men and, man, there was Westworld. So it's amazing that we're actually finding time to watch three different shows at the same time. That's how, that's how in-depth we've gotten with uh, TV viewing. God, you've never been home this much. Yeah, that's the truth. Usually, And you know what's funny, too, is when I go on road trips, I would usually pick a TV series. Like the last couple of years, I did Game of Thrones, and I would download a couple episodes every flight. And now you take away my flights. So I got to do it at home with the wife. <laughs> well, you know, we have a we have a saying here: friend of the program. When we talk about people, and uh, you're truly one of the great friends of this program. We've always appreciated your support when when you come to town or on the road. And uh, hope everything's going well for you guys in Texas. And hopefully, we'll see you soon at the Coliseum. Yeah, I appreciate you guys thinking of me, and uh, trust me, it brings me great joy to be on your show and to be thought of as one of the guys out there. So I appreciate the opportunity. I hope you guys are doing well, too. And believe it or not, nothing would make me happier than know that we were flying in and going to the Coliseum to watch some baseball. Take care, buddy. You too, Tony. Appreciate it, man. The great Jeff Blum from the Houston Astros, former Cal Bear, World Series hero. He has a statue i don't have a statue god knows cody doesn't have a statue well thinking seeing that the white Sox have only made the playoffs nine times in 115 plus seasons and he hit the biggest home run he should have a statue it should be called jeff blum field at uh what at, at u.s cellular field you know they, they should name everything after him because he won that world series for them for the what was it the first one they won in like 80 something years was it like 84 85 years and they won in 05 uh, it was it was a big deal f- for for them when they won, and he hit that huge home run against the Astros, who he now calls games for, which is pretty funny. I'm telling you, he's one of the best guys. I mean, truly one of the nicest guys. From 
nicest guy to one of the most energetic, one of A's favorites. I mean, A's fans love this guy. Nick Swisher is going to join us here in a few minutes. This guy is a ball of energy, and it's who he is. He's the perfect guy. You know, it's been such a rough week. We all know it's been a rough week in so many different ways. You need some positive energy. And nobody is more positive than Nick Swisher. I wish I was this positive. I wish I had this kind of outlook on life. I'm a pretty positive guy, but Swish, it never rains in his world. He 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 is uh he is something special. Coming up next, had to bring him. He's coming to us from uh just what north of Tampa. Yeah, somewhere in Florida. I know he's down there. He I don't remember exactly where, but he uh. He is in Florida. And as all these guys, all these guys are going to tell you around the country, man, some of these states, they really didn't close down at all. They've been playing golf, never stopped. The one that gets me is Sacramento never stopped playing golf. Do you know that? Did I tell you that? Yeah, you didn't. And I, I remember reading it on, on social media and stuff, seeing that that they really pretty much didn't close on anything and the golf courses were open and everything else were. Yeah, I live across the street from the park. And either police or park rangers have, like, cleared people out of the park. But Sacramento can play golf. Figure that one out. Coming up next, Nick Swisher right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, over the years, getting to know Nick Swisher, he's a super guy. And he understands during these times that someone like him, like a motivational speaker, he can help people. So he's doing a lot of different things to get out there to help people. And he's going to make a very interesting comment about baseball players and playing and how bad it's going to look when the other sports get going and you're not going. Here's my conversation with the Ohio State Buckeye, Nick Swisher. We welcome back one of our all-time favorites. He's a World Series champion. He's an all-star, a great Ohio State Buckeye uh, what a great A he was. And we talk about bringing on familiar voices to help all of us through these times as we've been in lockdown forever. And I know for you A's fans, it's going to be great to hear this voice. Nick Swisher is with us hey! here on A's Cast Live. How are you? Oh, Chris, I'm doing amazing, brother. Glad to be back. Hopefully bring a little smile to some people's faces, man. Because come on, let's be honest. These are some crazy times we got going around these days. Yeah, we were just talking off the air about how I was just thankful to get out and drink some beer and play golf and shoot 110. I was just happy to be outside. Oh, man. I tell you what, bro. I mean, a lot of my buddies back in Los Angeles are saying the same thing. They're like, man, just to be able to hit a golf ball outside is one of the most beautiful things we've ever done in our lives. 
for us, man, being locked back here in Florida, it's been kind of cool. You know, not everything's really shut down. I've shaved about five strokes off my game. So I'm good to go, baby. Pro-Am, here I come, baby. <laughs> You're going to be ready for that celebrity tour. Oh, they better, man. I, 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 I guess I need to be a celebrity to get onto the celebrity tour. <laughs> you know, I think about you and your love of the game. What is this, has this been like for you not having baseball because it means so much to you and your life? Yeah, it's been a major, major thing. And, and obviously, you know me, and, and I'm a silver lining type of guy. I know that this has been one of the worst things that has happened. I know people have been affected in the worst of ways. People have lost relatives. I understand that. But for myself, this is the first time in my adult life that I've been in the same place for five weeks in a row. It's the first time in my life I've been able to have dinner with my family each and every night. It's the first time I haven't been on a plane in like forever. So for myself, there have been so many good things that have happened as much as there have been bad things that have happened. So I think right now with Major League Baseball, it's like we're kind of in a tough spot. We've got 40 plus million people out of work and the only thing you hear about baseball is money. So I think that's the last thing people want to be hearing about right now, but for myself, all I'm trying to do is what you're trying to do. I'm trying to put smiles on people's faces. I'm trying to do as many interviews as I can, motivational speeches, web talks, the whole nine, anything I can do to give back. Because right now, more than ever, we need leaders. And we need people to step up and help out because we're never going to be able to get to where we want to be by ourselves. It's going to take a whole heap of us. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because during a pandemic, yes, we're talking about a virus. But once, you know, we try and get back to normal, there's going to be a lot of people with anxiety, with depression, and it's going to be sad. And someone like you who's so positive, I I think it's very important that people like yourself, and I'm so glad you're stepping up because your positivity, I think, can really help a lot of people. Oh, thank you so much for saying that, man. I, I think you're so right. I think right now, more than ever, we need people. And we need people to help. We need people to reach out. We need to tell people that things are going to get better. Because come on, man, the furloughs, the layoffs, everything. It's just been negative thing after negative thing. And for myself, man, I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to start looking forward. I want to start looking towards the positive side of things. Because I'm telling you, man, you can't live in the past. We can't bring our money back that we've lost. Everyone has been affected in a negative way. But it's my mission and my, you know, my mentality to move forward with a smile on my face and try to bring as many people along for the ride as I can. How much have you been playing teacher with, with your young daughters? Oh, bro. So I, I got math, phonics, and PE. <laughs> Those are my three subjects, right? I dominate math. Hey, first grade math, bro. I am a boss. No <laughs> doubt about it. And my wife, she does the writing workshops, the reading workshops, the art, the music. So it's good, man. We've had a kind of a, a good mix. It's just, just like any parent trying to be a teacher. It's hard. By the way, my kid doesn't listen to me nearly as much as she listens to her regular teachers. I told that for a fact. But I think just with where we are, man, it's so unique. And it's so difficult of a time because a lot of people are being asked to do a lot of things they're not used to doing. So I think for myself and my wife, we have just tried to embrace this as much as possible. And just proud husband moment right now. My wife's show, Sweet Magnolia, on Netflix is streaming number one in the United States right now, bro. So the Swisher house is so excited. <laughs> I'm so proud of her. I mean, come on, man. It's like, bro, we're just smiling over here all the time. It's been great. 
Yeah, your wife's an actress and, and very successful, and, and that's great to hear. And, and, I, and I think about, you know, what we're getting into, whatever they agree upon, and hopefully they do it soon, you know, whether it's 82 games or 100 games, you know, your entire career, everybody told you it's a marathon. You throw that out the window, baby. We're going to be in a sprint. It's going to be so interesting to see how this thing plays out. Yeah, I, I really do. There's no doubt about it. I think we have a uh, we've got a black eye on the game right now because it's it's not based on the coronavirus anymore. We are not not playing because of the corona. We are not playing now because of contracts and the disputes between the owners and the players. Now, listen, baby, I was a player for 13 seasons. Like I'm a union guy. I understand what people want to do, but look at it from the fan side of things right now. We are desperate for something. I mean, come on, bro. I watched every episode of The Last Dance with Jordan. I watched the, the golf match with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. I watched the other golf match with Rory and Matt Wolf and Dustin Johnson. I mean, like, bro, I'm watching cornhole on a regular right now just to give myself a little competitive juices because right now it's crazy. It's tough. And if basketball comes back, hockey comes back, and football comes back, how bad does that look on the baseball end of things? Baseball cannot sit around for 18 months and not play because there will be a whole heap of fans that will see that and will never come back to our game. You know, you think about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, you know, we think of these guys, you know, they're, they're two of the greatest quarterbacks and football players of all time, but all of a sudden you're now on national television. You've got millions of people watching. You're playing with two of the all time greats in tiger and Phil. And you could just see how nervous these two guys were. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, how crazy is that? I actually just got done doing my Fox show safe at home. And one of the big questions was, how do I think players will respond to playing with, with no crowds? And from an emotional guy like myself that fed off the energy in the stadium and fed off the crowd in general, for me being able to run out to an empty stadium you can't do that like a WWF wrestler anymore. You know, you, it's just different. So I don't know, bro, but if Tiger Woods is only giving me three shots a side, my game better be a lot better than Tom Brady's. I can promise you that. <laughs> I, I, I know. That was kind of weak. I'm like, seriously, Tom Brady's been training, you know, in your area in Tampa, trying to get ready for yeah. a football season, and now all of a sudden you're only giving him three a side? Are you, That's what I said. every hole. I know. And not only that, I think the man played too much golf. He played 18 in the morning before the match. Then I heard he was working out in the parking lot. I think my man Tom was a little tired, you know. He wasn't getting that backside through. The hips just weren't turning. He wasn't rotating. Man, I'm telling you. But I'm sure he learned from that. I can't wait to see who they do that with the next time because that was fabulous. I hope that continues to keep going. I love the mic'd up. I love kind of the behind-the-scenes situation. And it was awesome for Tom and Peyton to do that, man, because Phil and Tiger have already done that. So for Tom and Peyton to be part of that, man, I thought that was just amazing. You know, I think about your career. You played on the West Coast. You played on the East Coast. You played in the Midwest. You played in the South. And it seems like what we're going to do here is you're going to have the West Coast teams play each other, the Central Time Zone teams play each other, and then you're going to have the East Coast teams play each other. And for some reason, I think this is going to be really good for baseball because, 
you're going to establish more regional rivalries. Like if you can have the A's and the Giants play more, the, 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 the Yankees and the Mets play more. I just think this will be good for baseball. Oh, bro. I, I would love that. I mean, I just want to get them boys back on the field. I, number one, I want to make sure everyone's safe. And number two, I want to put all this money talk behind us because at the end of the day, bro, sometimes you just got to go out and play for the love of the game. I understand you have to take care of your families, and this would be a totally different perspective if I was only a player. But just looking at it from multiple sides right now and hearing how just the starvation for sports is at an all-time high, we could, just, we could be that sport that people come to. We could be that amazing three or four hours that somebody turns on the television and relives their, their childhood days or gains that love for the sport back because it's a national pastime for a reason. And by the way, I love the regional aspect of it. I love rivalries more than anybody. And I'm telling you, if you put the if you put the A's and the Giants and you had to play 15 to 20 games, can you imagine the fire and the passion and the dislike that they could gain for each other? Oh, bro, that would just take rivalries to a whole new level. No doubt about it. I mean, and and you lived not only A's Giants, but but you lived Yankees Mets. Oh yeah, I, you know I was able to do the I was able to do Ohio State, Michigan in college, right? I was able to do you know Oakland, San Francisco. Come on, that Bay Area series was awesome, man. It was packed out every game. And then I got to go over on on the south side of Chicago, and I got to do the north side versus the south side, right? That was amazing. And then I got to go to New York in the Big Apple and do Bronx versus Flushing, right? The Mets versus the Yankees. So for myself, man, I've been able to experience rivalries at the most elite level. I guess that's why I enjoy it. I always felt like you had those dates circled on your calendar, regardless of what team you played for. Because in rivalry games, baby, your record doesn't matter. You just got to go out there and play the game. And there is nothing like Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, when you talk about you talk about this rivalry and you talk about one football game, it's one time a year. These two clash. Just explain to everybody the true hatred. This is like. It's far different from baseball. <laughs> Talk about what it is like, Ohio State, Michigan, college football. Oh, man. I mean, let me, prime example, one of a good friend of mine, Coach Urban Meyer, doesn't even say the word Michigan. Doesn't even say it. He, he says, calls it that team up north. And so at the end of the day, if he doesn't even have enough respect to call them by their actual name, that is some serious deep down hatred for another team and for myself man let's be honest people in the midwest ohio state michigan fans have clocks that are dedicated to the countdown to when that game happens all year long people build that entire season up for one game at the end of the day let's be honest urban meyer got the best of of of, uh, of coach harbaugh over there it's been a long time harbaugh's won a big game over there in michigan so as much as I do like you, man, you got to win when the lights are on and the lights are never brighter than in a rivalry game. What was it like in college baseball when you when, when, when it was Ohio State, Michigan? Just a, a little different, obviously a little less physical, just a little more trash talking than normal because you always know when you're going to Michigan and you always know when Michigan was coming to you. Those are the games you never wanted to lose. And for myself, just to be able to be part of all that, man, you know, even in high school, when you have your crosstown rivalry, for myself, it was Parkersburg High versus Parkersburg South. 
And that was when I really knew that everybody watched when those rivalry games were going on. And for myself, when the lights were the brightest, that's when I wanted to be out there. Let's end on this. If you were going through this time as a player, what would you be doing right now to keep yourself in baseball shape and, and ready to go when they say it's time to restart spring training? Yeah, I, I think for myself, my fear of not being prepared for the task at hand would be what would be driving me through this time. Because when they do say baseball will be back, I, the worst thing that could ever happen for a guy like me is to not be prepared for that opportunity. So everything these guys are doing at home, mentally, physically, all that, spiritually, whatever they're doing, it will be drastically noticeable who has been working during this time and who hasn't. And even for myself as a mentor to a bunch of younger players, that's what I always say to them. Because at the end of the day, baby, we stay ready so we don't have to get ready. Because for us, we always want to be ready. We always want to be prepared for the task at hand. And that would be the last thing I would want is to go in there feeling naked and not prepared for the task. So for myself, baby, I'd be grinding. I'd be probably doing the same thing I'd be doing in the off-season workouts, obviously trying to enjoy my family a little more. Because for a lot of these guys in high school and college and even in minor league baseball, their parents have to be so happy that their sons are at home for a change and not on the road and being able to have family dinners every night. So I think for me, man, there's a lot of positives that go along with this pandemic. And I also think there's a lot of negatives as well. Well, one of our goals is to, is to bring on familiar voices for people who have been basically at home for, for, for weeks now. And your voice not only is so familiar to this fan base, but your passion and your energy is so healthy for all of us. I can't say it enough. Thank you for taking the time. We truly appreciate it. We'll check in with you soon and be well with your, you and your family down there in Florida. Uh, you're the best, Chris. Hey, it's an honor to be on the call. Shout out to the Bay Area. Hope everybody's doing their part, being safe, because we're going to get past this, man, sooner than later. No doubt about it. Thank you for having me on, Chris. The great Nick Swisher. Doesn't that make you feel better? Hearing from him just brightens your day. I told you, him and Burns are like the two most positive people I've ever met and listened to <laughs> do an interview, I, I think, ever. Coming up next, we're going to update you. Los Angeles Times, San Francisco Chronicle. They're taking the greatest players raised in Northern California and pitting them against the greatest players who grew up in Southern California. It's basically predominantly all Hall of Famers. It's really intriguing. We're through three games. Where do we stand? You'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. Hall of Famer and MVP of the 1973 World Series, Reggie Jackson was on A's Cast Live and discussed what could have been for the swinging A's after 1974. You know, I had always thought about that. Uh, to be very honest with you, you know, if, if free agency hadn't come about, and I don't blame Charlie Finley. Nobody knew what was going on. Um, he sold players, he traded players, and he was trying to rebuild the center because we didn't have a good fan base. We didn't. We didn't have enough money to compete uh, with the teams in New York and the Red Sox and 
uh, the Yankees, and, and we just didn't draw people like Chicago and L.A., etc. So he did the next best thing, and that was to try to sell his teams. And, um, you know, that's really the, the, the way it was. It, it, it went, and that's why we broke up. But I really think if they would have kept the free agent clause tight, if that would not have happened, um, then, you know, we were all 28, 29 years old, and we'd have won three or four out of the next six or seven World Series. We were good, and we were we were really good players, and we were a great team with great pitching. The only 300 hitter we had was Joe Rudy. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com/podcasts. Captain Sal, Sal Bando was on A's Cast Live and discussed how honored he is that Bob Melvin wears number six. Well, it means a lot. I'm so honored by Bob, who was such a great guy and uh, really knows his baseball. He doesn't get enough credit for how sharp he is and how how he's made the A's a contender year in and year out. So I'm very honored. I'm humbled. And... Bob is one of my very favorite people. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash podcast. During National Nurses Month, we'd like to thank our nurses across Kaiser Permanente. You've continuously gone the extra mile to keep us healthy and safe. You've sacrificed precious time with your own families for our families. You've all gone above and beyond. So from all of us at Kaiser Permanente, thank you. Thank you to each and every nurse out there. Thank you for your dedication, standing on the front lines, caring for patients, and helping save lives. You are an inspiration to us all. Kaiser Permanente. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. During these horrific times, people still need to get food, and the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek does deliver. Give them a call at 925-322-8799. That's 925-322-8799. Don't forget, their world-famous chicken pie and also all the other pies that they have you can freeze and have for a long time. So give the pie shop in Walnut Creek a call. You call them at 925 925- 8799. You can also get beer, wine, and spirits with your delivery. And you can check out the full menu, chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24 7 destination for Ace Baseball. Welcome to A's Cast Live. Chris Townsend, the commander, Cody, coming up here at the bottom of the hour. He was one of my favorite players growing up. Because the way he played, he was tough, his size. I was a huge Bip Roberts fan growing up. And then, over the years getting to know him real well, uh, doing TV with him back then over at Comcast and the countless shows we've done together. We did a uh, hot stove league show together on 95.7. Uh, Bip Roberts, 
and I, he's been coming on my program for years. We developed a, a cool friendship. So it, 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 it's fun to be really cool with a guy that you grew up. I, I grew up in San Diego. I lots to play with the Padres. He was one of my favorites. He's Oakland's own. Pip Roberts will be here at the bottom of the hour. So really cool. We're taking Ted Williams, Don Drysdale, Tony Gwynn, putting him up against Barry Bonds, Joe DiMaggio, Frank Robinson. (laughs) The amount of – I mean, California has the most Hall of Famers. And it's not even close per state. It's not even close. My man George Brett hit a home run. I see off Tom Seaver. Is that correct, Commander? That's That's correct. He hit a home run off Tom Seaver yesterday. And uh, in the Northern California's second win of the series. So in the second win of the series for Northern California, they win the game 5-2. They were up 2-0 in the series with game three being t- played today, which we'll get to in a moment. Barry Bonds hit two more home runs. He now has four in two games for Northern okay, California. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do they – Northern California get super Barry, not regular Barry? Yeah, so the way they did this, if you look at the way – they took, like, each player's best season. So they took the 2001 Barry Bonds the year. He hit – wait a minute <laughs> – 73 home runs. So that Bonds <laughs> is playing on this team. You have, like, 07 CC Sabathia. It's, like, every player's best year that they have on what, this what, team. What year's Ricky Henderson? Well, I'd have to pull up the roster and see what it is. How uh, many stolen bases do he have already in the series? Well, I don't know if it says how many stolen bases. Look, I have the lineup for today up. Uh, if you're going Ricky's best season, he's stealing a base every he's, – he's going every time. Uh, well, absolutely, yeah, because we saw – we mentioned today earlier about what the significance of today's date is in baseball history, which we'll get to with Bip Roberts, so I don't want to spoil it. So they, so they went 5-2, Super Barry with two home runs. Tom Seaver pitched a three-hit gem. Frank Robinson, Hall of Famer, also had a home run in the game. Uh, Walter Johnson started the game for uh, Southern California, the arguably the greatest pitcher, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. He only gave up three home runs. There's an incredible stat in the article. Wait, wait, where did Walter Johnson grow up? Let's see, Walter Johnson. I mean, obviously he's on the Southern California team, but where did he grow up? It's saying that he went. Oh, he went to Fullerton Union High School in Fullerton. He's from Orange County. Well, I never, never could, could have fooled me. So, George Brett hit a solo homer off Tom Seaver. Now, remember, nice. NorCal is mentioned or is managed by Bruce Jenkins. Southern California is managed by the L.A. Times' Houston Mitchell. So, that gets us to game three today at Dodger Stadium. By the way, just, Walter, for, for, for you young fans, look it up. Walter Johnson won 417 games. And I believe, to this day, the only pitcher ever to win the MVP twice. This guy, supposedly he blew high 90s, and he's doing it uh, in – he started his career 1907 and finished in 1927, and he was a slinger. If you look at the old video, he came kind of three quarters, and he blew heat. He was a big dude. How big was he? Uh, I six one. He looked like a monster in those old videos. He won his war, his war, Cody, a hundred and sixty four point five. It's pretty good. That's uh, it's like I think it's one of the highest of all time. I think it's in the top five. Yeah. He started in he he pitched in eight hundred and two games. Started six hundred and sixty six. He even had thirty four saves. 
Uh, and he had uh, 531 complete games. It's pretty good. The great Walter Johnson from Fullerton. Uh, you asked me. I went back and looked. Uh, it's 1990 for Ricky uh, for Ricky Henderson. That year, Ricky at age 31 uh, won the MVP in the American League. He he hit uh, a cool 325. He scored 119 runs. He stole only 65 bases. Uh, he had an OPS of 1016 and an OPS plus of 189. Uh, that's pretty good for Ricky Henderson with the on base percentage of 439 that year. So you got that's the Ricky you're getting. You're getting the best season from Ricky. You're getting the best season from Barry. You're getting the best season from Joe DiMaggio. You're getting the best season from Frank Robinson. <laughs> yeah, it's just insane. Let's see. Uh, let's see some of the other players. You're getting 2017 Aaron Judge. Here he hit 52 home runs. Dude, you're getting you're getting uh, my man Ken Caminetti. You're getting his MVP year yep. in '96 where he was a monster. You got Stephen Vogt's 2015 year where he was an all-star. You got Eck in 1990. Joe Morgan in 76. Who's Eckers, playing first base? Uh, first base was. Is it Eddie Murray? Uh, no, it's Will, It's for the NorCal. It's Will, Willie Stargell, Keith Hernandez, oh. and Bill Buckner. <laughs> Willie Stargell's best year? My God. 1973, yeah. So, so that gets us today. Southern California finally gets a win. I, I feel like there, there wasn't going to be a sweep in this series. Southern California gets on the board with a 6-2 win Friday at Dodger Stadium. Raleigh Fingers gets Barry Bonds to pop up with the bases loaded in the ninth. Raleigh. Popped, you know who he popped up to? A's legend Mark McGuire. Now, CZ Sabathia, the pride of Vallejo, started game three for Northern California and failed to get out of the second inning, allowing six runs on three hits, two of which were home runs. Jim Palmer pitched two, pitched six and two-thirds innings, allowing two runs while striking out six, while walking six and striking out four. Mark McGuire and Fred Lynn hit the home runs for Southern California. Game four will be tomorrow at the Big A in Anaheim. Game five will be on Sunday at Petco. Fred Lynn? Fred Lynn. I have the roster. By the way, I've, I've had, on my old show, I used to have Fred Lynn. we got to get him back on. He's the nicest guy. I'm sure I'll be able to track him down. Uh, Raleigh Fingers. So George Fingers. So Raleigh was in Ohio. One day his dad comes home, fed up with work, and said, that's it. We're moving to California. His father sold their house for 1500 bucks, bought a car, and took the family to, wait for it, Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> Raleigh grew up in Ret. Well, no, then he attended Upland High School in uh, Upland, obviously in Southern California. How about that? And you're getting 1981 Raleigh Fingers with the Brewers, so the year he won the MVP as MVP, well. Yeah. yeah. So the lineups today for the hey, 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 just to say that Raleigh's dope. Oh yeah. Like going back and 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 watching those classic games on NBC California, and I know I talked a lot about it, Raleigh was incredible. Like, he's so filthy, it's – it's and that MVP year, I mean, he, he basically really was unhittable. And he's not – he's not the one-inning guy. We've gone through his stats. He's not – he's – I can make a case. Raleigh Fingers is the greatest reliever of all time. And I know people, oh, Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera did not pitch the workload that – Mariano Rivera came in with a lead in the ninth inning for the majority of his career. Raleigh pitched all – it's not – the innings, the appearances, 
Ra- come on. Rally Fingers was amazing. I'll quickly go through this where we get the bib. Here's the lineup for SoCal today. It was Fred Lynn, Ted Williams, George Brett, Mark McGuire, Ralph Kiner, Kristen Yelich, Jeff Kent, Robin Yount, and Lance Paris. The pitchers were Jim Palmer, Trevor Hoffman, Raleigh Fingers, Northern California, Ricky, Barry, DiMaggio, Frank Robinson, Pops, Joe Morgan, Carney, Lefty O'Doul, pinch hit in the game, Ernie Lombardi started the catcher, Troy Tulowitzki, and a pinch hit from Aaron Judge. Pitchers, CeCe Sabathia, and Lefty Gomez. That's who all appeared in today's game. I didn't. I had no idea Robin Yount. So Robin Yount was born in Danville, Illinois. Briefly lived in Covington, Indiana, and then they moved to Southern California. They don't say they don't say where in California on his Wikipedia page. I I didn't know Robin Yount grew up in California. Three-time All-Star, two-time MVP, a guy to win an MVP at shortstop and center field. That's amazing. He went to, oh, he attended, he went to Woodland, uh, Taft High School in Woodland Hills. I'm looking on baseball reference. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so what, what what else you got? Well, that was it. Because BIP is a, a very long – is a longer interview. So I want to sneak, sneak in the lineups for today. Game four tomorrow, the big A. Game five sat, uh, Sunday at Petco. Game six, if necessary, at the Coliseum on Sunday, uh, Monday. I, I have a feeling I, – I, I don't know. I mean, cr- Crazy me. I just have a feeling this is going to go seven games. I think so. If that happens, game seven Tuesday at Oracle Park. I talk about it all the time. He's one of my favorites. He's such a good guy, and he's a terrific broadcaster, was a great player, the all-star, the kid from Oakland. Bip Roberts joined us here on A's Cast Live. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, you've heard me say it for many years. I grew up watching him. He's one of my favorite players of all time. And then getting to know him and knowing what a person, what kind of person he is, what a great guy he is. It's always an honor to have him on my program. The former all-star, the former A, the kid from Oakland, Bip Roberts is with us here on A's Cast Live. Bipster, how are you hanging in there? Oh, man, Townie, it's good to hear your voice. When I hear your voice, I start thinking about baseball season. And, you know, right now I'm just at home hoping that we get started. But today it is really good to talk to you because with everything going on in this world, talking to you about baseball is one of my favorite, most favorite things to do in all of life. So thanks for having me today, and I hope you're doing well, doing as well as I am. You know, I know how much you truly just purely love the game. Just not Major League Baseball. You loved playing it. You love coaching it. You love being a broadcaster. I got to think for someone like you, I, it kind of reminds me of Ray Fossey. If you don't have baseball, this got to be this got to be eating at you every single day. I have no idea what I'm going to be doing every day now, you know, and it's just like, I have to jump in the car sometime, take a ride over to the studio, go by the stadiums, come back home, and make it feel like I did something today. You know, because without baseball, as you said, baseball's been my life since I was 18 years old, and it's always been there for us, and it's not there right now, and I just feel a loss, and I'm just hoping that something happens to where, you know, real positive to where we can get back on the field. And even if we're not in the stadium, Townie, and we have to do – broadcast from home, I'm okay with that. As long as the game comes back, that, that's all I'm concerned about. Yeah, I told my boss, the professor, I'm like, hey, we can treat every game like a road game where I, I, I'm in the home studio and, and, and my producer's at his home. We'll do anything to get this game back, and that's what we really need 
is we've got to give reassurance to the governor and to the commissioner and to everybody we can make this as safe as possible and as safe for the players as possible. And I think as a former player, what would you be doing right now to stay in baseball shape and be ready to go when they say, hey, it's time to get another spring training going? What would Bip Roberts be doing? Well, I'd probably have a personal trainer that knew how to keep me in shape as well as being in cardio shape but also in baseball shape. Uh, probably be in a cage somewhere just locked up with music and a batting tee just trying to get my stroke together, keep my mental focus right. You know, and I think that would be tough is trying to keep my mental focus when you think about it because you don't know if it's ever going to come back, but you want to try to stay ready. So, you know, we always had that saying, it's better to be ready than to have to get ready when you get the call. So, you know, I'm an active person. I would probably still be getting my run on and, and just try to make sure that I was ready when I got the call because – when you get the call, you're going to have to be ready because you don't want to get into a situation where you would get hurt by just jumping out there and trying to play. So I would make sure that I had the proper training, the proper diet, and just make sure that I was in the best shape possible, whether I go play or I sit at home. And, and that's the bottom line. You have to be ready when that call comes. You know, you were on certain teams that they had a chance. And I think in an 82 game, whether it's I know the players are now talking about maybe 100 games or the owners are looking at 82 games, whatever it is, it's a shortened season going into a season like this. And you're on a team that you look around. Yeah, you may not be the best team, but you got some talent. I got to think everybody's got a puncher's chance in a short season like this. What do you think? Yeah, it reminds me when we were in the minor leagues, we had two separate seasons. Basically, we had one season was 82 uh, well, in, in, in minor leagues, you would split the season in half, and the first half, whoever won the first half was the first-half champion, and they would play the, the team who won the second-half champion. But it was always a team that got off to a great start. And you go, wait a minute, they're not that good, but they had a great start. They, they got off to a very good start, and they were able to win ball games and put the other team's games behind them, and it was tough to catch them. Maybe at the end of the season, they weren't the best team, but the first 82 games, they were the best team, and they were able to get in the playoffs. And I just think now, instead of us calling it a marathon, this would be a sprint to 82 games because these guys will be in great shape. They're used to playing 162 or maybe 163, depending on the season. But these guys would be ready to take the sprint. And they've been sitting home. I mean, they have so much energy. And remember, these guys are used to playing seven months. So you condense that into maybe two months, three months, or whatever it may be to get those 82 games in. And I think these guys would just each and every day probably perform some of the best baseball that we've seen. Because, again, with that energy, you get the best results. And guys who don't get tired have consistency. And so over 82 games, I think the consistency would be there. And like you said, everybody would have a puncher's chance. So it would be who, which team could get off to the best start, because that team is a team you have to watch because they may not go into a slump. And 82 ball games, that comes quick. So, you know, you're right, Tony. Uh, every team has, has a puncher's chance. You know, I know one of the toughest points in your career and a lot of guys in your era was the strike in 1994 where we didn't have a World Series and what that did to the game. Now, obviously, yeah. what we have going now is a pandemic. It's different. What advice would you give to the players who some of them have said, you know what, unless I'm getting full salary, I don't want to play. Uh, what advice would you give to these guys? Because you've lived through something where 
it, it left you. You didn't have it, and it ended up being really bad for the game. Yeah, you know, when you talk about that strike season in 94, you know, it was the owners wanted to take everything that we had and just change the entire system. So that was going to be a fight. Anytime you come into someone's home and you want to go in their refrigerator without asking, there's going to be a fight. So we had to take on that fight. And regardless to what the situation or what the fight was about, we were always in the wrong. And so it just doesn't matter. Whether we could have been right 100 times out of 100, the fans were looking at us as the bad guys. You guys should be out there playing. If it's just about money, you should be out there playing. Well, they didn't know exactly what it was about, but we were the ones that were going to take the blame. In this situation, it's probably going to be the same thing because right now we see that the issue is behind money. Whether it's prorated, agreement was signed in March, or now we want to share 50-50, whatever it may be, it's about money. And right now, the way things are, people don't want to hear that. And so I just think that right now, the Major League Players Association and the owners, they have to get on the same page to figure out a way to play this game. And not everybody's going to be happy. We know that. But you have to find a way to make sure that this season, with an asterisk on it, that everybody's okay with us going out to play, no matter what happens. And, and I feel sorry for everyone because guys have busted their butts and gotten big contracts because they've earned it. And now that's taken away. The owners on the other side, they've made record billions in the last few years, and they don't want to give up anything. So, again, you're going to have that fight about money. And it's going to come down to who wants to bend or break a little bit. But I think they got, these guys have to meet in the middle. The owners know that they've made a lot of money, $10.7 billion in the last two, two years or so. Even last year they made over $10 billion. So they've had a great increase in, in revenue. And right now, I think the owners are struggling because they've built new ballparks and they're trying to upkeep everything around there. And they've out, they have these loans out there. But it's not the players. It's not on the players to help you pay your loans. You see, the banks don't say, hey, you know what? You can't pay that loan. Uh, go ask your buddy. Can he help you pay? That's not how it works. And so I think that these guys have to lock in on and they have to make sure that the strategy works for both sides. And if the strategy doesn't work for both sides, it's going to take more time to maybe potentially get to that. But in the end, you're going to run out of time. So then everybody's going to be extremely disappointed. You know, a, a guy who's a really good friend of yours, on this date in baseball history, Ricky Henderson breaks Ty Cobb's 62-year-old AL stolen base record with 892. And, of course, he would go on and, and get the all-time record. You know, when you look back at Ricky Henderson and you think of where I, I don't know why the stolen base has, has gone away in baseball. But when you look back at Ricky as someone that you watched growing up and then, of course, uh, you you were playing during his day. I mean, Ricky played forever. So and so you played a long time. So you played w- with each other. But just just describe what it was like to watch Ricky Henderson and, and what he meant to your game. Well, Ricky was. He was that guy we could look at out on the field, and he being from Oakland, and I'm from Oakland, and I would just say, if he did it, I could do it. He was just that guy. And then to perform the way he did, it was really exciting to watch baseball. And, and every time I watched him, I just had this, 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 like, this feeling inside, like, wow, he's going to do something exciting. You know, the, the anticipation of Ricky playing that day was exciting. And throughout our neighborhoods, we all – you know, we claim Ricky, 
and we all wanted to be like Ricky. And I remember a few times when I was playing with the Padres and uh, Jamie Quirk would say something real stupid to me, like, you're just trying to be like Ricky. And I would tell him, well, you know what? I'd rather emulate being a great player than to emulate a player like you. So, you know, Ricky was our idol. And anyone who spoke uh, negative of Ricky, he had to, they had to deal with our ire because we weren't going to have that. And so Ricky is a hero in Oakland, and he had always been a hero in Oakland. And coming out of Oakland Tech, he was our inspiration. You know, when at that particular point in time, we had about 13 guys out of Oakland getting drafted. And all of us had grown up watching Ricky Henderson. And then the later guys that came around, like Jimmy Rollins and Dontrell, they were like, you know, Ricky was their hero. So Ricky meant a lot to us in this Bay Area. Because without Ricky, a lot of these guys had enough talent to play other sports. But because of Ricky, they kept refining their, 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 their talents in baseball because we wanted to be like Ricky. So Ricky meant and means everything to us. And, and now that he and I, we were just really great friends now. And during the game, I'm seeing that's another thing I'm missing right now is that I can't sit up in the Ricky Henderson suites with him and watch the game right now. You know, things like that just really let you know what type of guy he is because he invites you up to his suite right now so you can watch the game and eat food and just enjoy fellowship with former major leaguers. And, man, you know, Ricky is just everything to us. That's why I think he has every ballpark in Oakland named after Ricky Henderson. And I'm like, wait a minute. It was a bunch of us who played, but it seems like every park is named Ricky Henderson Park. So that's how much we love Ricky. <laughs> and, and, and people don't realize what a regular guy he is. And I, and I can say this. Because I can't tell you how many times I've seen Ricky where I used to sit at Raider games, and then I would see him in the bar. I mean, here's Ricky Henderson. He's a Hall of Famer. He's at a Raider game just hanging out at the bar, and everybody respects him so much. And people would be like, hey, Ricky, but no one really bothered him. But he's walking around the Coliseum at a Raider game like, like a regular fan. I mean, you don't see too many Hall of Famers doing that. He never had an entourage. And that's the one thing about Ricky that we always – tried to emulate. I never had an entourage. We were boys from Oakland. We're born and raised here. Why should we have an entourage? Why should we change once we get to the big leagues or become big time players? Ricky never had that. And he still, when we're still hanging out in that suite, he has never once talked about the things that he's done or was capable of doing. And see, most guys who are that good have a tendency to be brash and boastful and talk about what they used to do and stuff like that. Oh, I was this, I was that. I have never heard Ricky say anything about that. You know, and that's how humble he is. He doesn't have to tell you how good he used to be. We all know how good he used to be. But some guys, even though they were good, they still want to tell you how good they were. But Ricky has never been like that. And I think we all, the guys from Oakland, get that from him. We don't have to tell you how good we used to be. We know what we used to be. But right now, what kind of a human being are you? You know, and so that's the thing that we get from Ricky most. In 1989, on this date, I want to see what you remember about this. Because Mike Schmidt, I think you can argue, is the greatest third baseman of all time when you take his great defense along with the power. And, God, what did he lead the National League at home runs like seven times, the Hall of Famer. But it was in San Diego on this date in 1989. Mike Schmidt was leading all third basemen in votes for the All-Star game. And he was going to be embarrassed by being selected as an all-star and playing as bad as he was at the end of his career, he retired on this date at Jack Murphy Stadium. What do you remember on this date when he did that? 
Well, Tony, in 89, you have to remember, this was my first year full season back with the Padres. You know, came up in 88 at the end, and then in 89 was really my first year. So I was so motivated. I don't remember anything about that. I remember just going out there and trying to beat up on the Phillies that day, you know, and not realizing what an impact Mike Schmidt had on the game and him retiring. My mind was set on, I need to get some hits today. I need to perform because I've been sent back to AAA before, and I don't have time to have my concentration waiver on anything. So I know I was so focused. I can't even tell you what happened that day. I mean, you bring up history right now, and there was a lot of history going on during the time I played, but I was so focused. I think the only time I remember someone breaking a record or history was when Cal Ripken broke the, the game's played history, uh, record and he jogged around the field. And that was the only thing I remember about that time period. But for the most part, I was just trying to focus in on who was pitching for the Phillies and, and, how, and what could I do against him because I know that results will keep me in the big league. So I wasn't thinking about Mike Schmidt at the time. But now that you bring that up, you know, had I realized – in the situation, what was happening, I probably would have went over there and tried to get me a Mike Schmidt jersey signed before he left because he was a great player, man. Great hands, great hands at the plate, great hands on defense, a leader, tough guy. Um, didn't say much on the field, just performed. And that's what you wanted in a big leaguer, especially. Is Mike Schmidt in the Hall of Fame? Of course. You know what I'm saying? That's why he got in the Hall of Fame because, again, the tenacity that he played with, learning from Pete Rose and guys like that. He carried that over to his game, and he was just a, a consistent a consistent leader for that Phillies team. You know, when I think about you and talking about your game and thinking about players of today where guys will strike out three times and not care, Bip Roberts would not strike out three times in a game. There's no, you, you had too much pride. You, you cared. You weren't going to strike out. Well, if I struck out, that bat was going to pay a, a dearly price. It was because <laughs> in that time, striking out was the worst thing you could do at the plate. I mean, everyone I know at that time, if he struck out, he came back and he was hot. It was a hey, you struck out, you get him next time. And man, they would tell you right then, man, what you know, and they might say something. Well, tell me about hey, it's okay to strike out. And that was the worst thing you could do as a, a leadoff hitter was to strike out. You want to put the ball in play, find a way to get on base, whether it be hit, error, or walk. But your job is to get on the base and touch the plate. And if you strike out three times and you go back to the bench, you're not helping your team. So you know, I just tried to pride myself on putting the ball in play hard and trying to find a way to get the first base. So striking out is, like I said, the worst thing you can do as a hitter. And these guys now, they walk back and some of them have a smile on their face. And I'm thinking, what is he thinking? How could you be happy after striking out? That just does not play when we played. And so, no, even though I've done it a few times, I was not happy. And I think if I struck out three times, I didn't speak to anybody probably until the next day. That's how upset I used to get. You know, on your way out, you know, I live across the street from a park that has three little league fields. And I look at these, you know, lately, a lot of people out there practicing with their kids and balls are flying all over the place and always makes me think about your training net. Talk about your net that you have perfected that can help players get better and help softball, help baseball, and just help practice and be a better player. Man, Tony, you know, with the pandemic right now, and, and like you said, it, people are starting to get out. 
you can take my net. It's called a cutoff net. You can take my net to the park or use it in the backyard and work alone. You don't have to have anyone around because there's a net. It has a target in it. You catch the ball, throw it into the net. It's a bucket at the bottom, so you don't have to pick up balls. And you can get your reps in. Right now, I think people more, need more reps, more reps right now to get in and get out. It's not about how long you're on the field, but how many reps you can get within that time frame. And so with this net here, the cutoff man, within 15 minutes, you could possibly get 100 throws in easily and then be able to walk off the field in probably a half an hour and say, man, I got two hours worth of work in in a half an hour. So that's what the cutoff man does. It cuts down the time period of getting better. You can get better in 15 minutes instead of in two hours. So if anyone is listening and you don't have the cutoff man, you're missing out on that time right now, that 15 minutes where your son could get better. And dad doesn't have to catch the ball because there's a time when your son's going to throw so hard that eventually it's going to probably hit you in your forehead. So if you have the cutoff man, he can throw into that net to a target and he can build his arm up and you won't get hurt. But your son will get better in 15 minutes. How do we find it? It's on uh, teammatesports.com. And if you look at it, you'll see the cutoff man. They have my picture on it. And um, there's a video that tells you how you can use it and where you can get it. But it's at teammatesports.com. You can order it online. Or I think there's, it's at a few, um, uh, I think the sporting goods places have closed now. I, that's the crazy part about it. So you can only get it online at Teammate Sports right now. Vip, you are the best. It's great to hear your full, uh, hear your voice. Be safe, and we'll talk soon. You do the same, Tony. It's always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me today. Appreciate you. That's my guy, Vip Roberts, the L-Star. I can't believe this show's over, Cody. I could go like another two, three hours. I know we didn't even get into some of the good stuff we had with all the draft and everything, but draft's rapidly approaching, which is, I think, not this Monday. I think it's like the following – I think it's the 10th, so it'll be the Wednesday. So draft's coming up, so we got some interesting stuff uh, in there. But, yeah, the show went by really quickly. I mean, the last hour was Swisher and Bip and the I-5 series. I mean, that's uh, it was all great stuff. So I just, just looking at Robin Yount's Wikipedia page – the 1973, where were you in 73? Let's see. Um, I was negative 15 years old. Let's see. My dad would have been. Uh, I was one years old. My dad was 12, so I wasn't even a thought in his mind yet. So David Clyde went first to the Rangers. Who? Never heard of him. John Stearns went second to the Philadelphia Phillies. Who? Who? Then number three is Robin Yount, and number four is Dave Winfield. Two Hall of Famers went back-to-back, third and fourth pick in the first round in 1973. Uh, baseball, also Lee Mazzilli's in this draft. Steve Swisher, Nick Swisher's dad, is in this first round. How about that? Notable selections in the second round. Fred Lynn, Lynn Barker, Rupert Jones, I, I remember, Eddie Murray. There's some great, uh, Lamar, Lamar Hoyt. There's some classic names, Jack Clark, the Ripper, Jeff Reardon. Some classic names in this draft. All right, what do you got for me? Well, I was going to say the the uh, they redid the 2013 MLB draft. They did a redraft of it yesterday. Might be something we can look into because uh, that's the year that Mark Appel 
went number one overall. Mark Appel, Oof. who, yeah, he Out didn't Stanford. Yeah, he didn't really do much in Major League Baseball. No. But uh, Aaron Judge was one of the comp picks. Oh, hey, guess who else was a comp pick in that draft? Number twenty nine, our guy Ryan Stanick out of Arkansas. The opener. The opener drafted ahead of Aaron Judge. Wow. And Shamaniah. Shamaniah's second round draft pick that year. Or no, a comp pick. So a couple good guys. But uh, did you want to do a buying or selling before we end? Sure. I got nowhere to go. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. All right. So first, coming up on A's Cast next. The A's 61st win on July 28th of 2019 versus the Texas Rangers. The A's walked off against the Rangers as Chris Davis, who seems to always beat the Rangers, as he hit another home run against the Rangers today in the simulated season, was walked with the bases loaded to give the A's a 6-5 win at the Coliseum. Blake Trinan, remember him? He picked up the win for the A's, and Marcus Simeon hit his 17th home run of the season. That's what's coming up next on A's Cast. Now, the, the reason I wanted to do this is because I wanted to get to just this one by there's two of them. So today in baseball history, there's a lot of good things that, that happened, but the captain debuted in 1995. No, not Jason Veritek. The captain. Salvando? Derek Cheetah. The man who finished his career with a 71.3 war, 3,465 hits, a 310 average, 260 homers, 1,100 1,311 RBIs, five-time World Series champion, five-time Gold Glove winner, 14-time All-Star, World Series MVP, missed out being the first unanimous position player by one vote. We'll never know who that guy is, but I still to this day believe that it will be a Miami Marlins voter who did not select Derek Jeter. Now, MLB Network is airing 64 hours of Jeter content, which started at 3 a.m. Pacific time, and it's going to run through the weekend with highlights and games, including his first hit, first homer, one of the uh, ALCS games, World Series uh, games, etc. Buying or selling, we all need 64 hours of Derek Jeter content. Uh, uh, it's, it's so <laughs> painful. You want me to watch 64 straight hours of Yankee baseball? I'd rather throw up. Selling. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna turn on one minute of that. Probably. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna boycott it. You gonna watch the KBO instead tonight? I don't know what I'm gonna do tonight. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. All right, last one. We, let's get this quickly. I might stop by your place for a, for a little glass. Oh, I got wine. I got White Claw. I got all kinds of stuff. I got beer in the fridge. Fired. I, I watched the Lance Armstrong part one. <laughs> well, fired. Uh, well, hey, bye. Bernsey's in it. Well, you Eric unless Bernsey. you and less than a million people watched it. Apparently, according to the ratings I saw. So on this day, ten years ago, also the Angels won a game. They won five one versus the Seattle Mariners in Anaheim in the 10th inning. The hero, Kendrys Morales, hit a walk-off grand slam off closer Brandon League. Why is this important? Because while attempting to jump on home plate, Kendrys Morales injured his left ankle, and it caused him to miss almost two seasons worth of time. Other notable sports celebration injuries are Aubrey Huff during Matt Cain's perfect game, Gus Farratt headbutting the wall, Bill Gramatica, brother of Martin Gramatica, after he kicked the 43-off field goal versus the Giants, and Chris Coughlin tore his meniscus after hitting teammate Wes Helms in the face with a pie after a walk-off win in 2012. Buying or selling, Kendrys Morales has the worst sports celebration injury of all time. I'll never forget this. That was game of the week on a Saturday. That was on national television. I watched that live. 
it was like the saddest thing you've ever seen. I'm buying. I mean, he jumps on home plate, goes down. They're all like hitting him and everything. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, my God, he's hurt. And, and, and where he was in his career at that time as he was ascending, that was so sad. Yeah, oh, they, my God. I mean, watching it live and they have to come out and carry him off after hitting the walk-off. Oh. The year before, he finished fifth at MVP voting. He had 34 homers, drove in 108 runs, hit 306, had an OPS plus of 139. His career was never the same after that. He missed – he played 51 games in 2010, then he broke his – you know, did that to his ankle. Didn't come back till 2012, and he was never the same. He never hit over 300 again. His best year was in 2015 with the Royals when he finished 18th in MVP voting. Hit 290, hit 22 homers, drove in 106 runs. Then he had a couple, another good year with Toronto, another good year, or another good with Kansas City and then Toronto. Then, you know, he was with the A's and the Yankees to close out his career. So, but yeah, that injury right. sucked. It, it, it cost him so much money. All right, that is going to do it for A's Cast Live. I hope you all enjoyed. Coming up, we got a little A's baseball for you. Have a great weekend. Be safe. We'll be back on Monday from 1 to 4. Take care, everybody. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.